Bo Bishop. He's a man of many talents. Former Montana rodeo champion. Maybe. Successful talking head on television. Drinker of fine spirits. And as you're about to hear... Friend to dummies. This guy's running around in their, like, spandex underwear. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's do a live on a Friday edition of the program. Bo and Chops with you here for the next couple of hours. Tim and Doug, Bill Connolly going to join us as well from ESPN. Loaded up. Lots of fun here over the course of the next three hours on a Football Friday edition, as Chops just said in the uh, in the update, and did, indeed, in fact, is a Football Friday. You have all of those bowl games that Chopper mentioned. Also, the one double A stuff this weekend as well. Um, so, I I wanted to start with this. Um, we had a fantastic uh, exchange last night with NBC. Uh, Chops, I'm going to give you a phrase, and then we'll circle back to it. And then okay. I'm sure you have the exact. I'm sure you have your equivalent of this. Uh, so, Francesca Killian. Yogo Sapphire Necklace. Last night, we're sitting down, uh, and unbeknownst to me, apparently, NBC said that in the last couple of weeks, some of his, so he has a girlfriend. All right. He's, so what does this mean? So remember, I've teased about this. Like, I'm like, well, when are you going to take her out to a nice seafood dinner? I say that to him all the time. <laughs> this is and fifth so, grade, right? Fifth grade. Yeah. He uh, turns 11 on Monday. So he goes, uh, he's had this girlfriend. Feel I don't know her, but she, I I monitor their exchanges and seems like a very pleasant, positive relationship for both of them. The relationship, from my vantage point, appears to be not much more than "Hey, how you doing at school?" and and uh and some some messenger stuff. Uh, how was your day? Good. How was your day? Good. How was your volleyball game? Great. How was your basketball? Great. And the oh, outside that's world like, that's teaches it. you different, treats you different though too. To- Whenever they're chatting, all the friends yeah. are snickering with each other. You know, correct. Yeah. So they're at the age where like all of his little buddies have girlfriends, and from what I can tell, it's best. It's kind of just like you identify that this is your boy or girlfriend. But there's very little interaction. So that's not much different from when we were kids, I don't think, at this age. It was pretty similar, right? Do you remember your first girlfriend? Yeah, that 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 seems pretty similar. Um you know, the I I, I probably had more rejections than girlfriends back in that in that oh, time. But, zero chance. But I, definitely. Was, but I was a confident guy. I'd go up to the girl and ask her to be my girlfriend and she would say no. But <laughs> who was the first one that said yes, you gotta have one? <laughs> If you don't uh, want to give her name, you can't. Don't have to. If you don't. No, there was one that that said yes, but you know, looking back on it, I feel kind of bad about this. I think I only asked her because I really liked her friend. Oh and, my god! You know, trying to pull that that oh, whole situation gosh, off. That's a, yeah, that's a. I had one buddy of mine pull that off in in life. It was a stunning pull. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It did not work out. No. So. Anyway, along the messenger with his buddies, they're all like, "Oh yeah, we're getting our girlfriends Christmas gifts." Okay. So that's what you do. That's what you do this time of year, right? So you do that. So he's he apparently he came and went to my wife and said, "Look, we got to get uh, the girlfriend a Christmas gift." I don't, you know, I don't know what what do you do here. So my wife goes, "I mean, she's got three boys." Eureka moment! Oh, I got this! I got this! So she goes to some little boutiquey thing and gets like you know some little holiday jewelry or something necklace earring something like that at a at a you right. know a reasonable and appropriate cost so a few thousand fast forward dollars to, i get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> fast forward to last night and he goes he goes well what am i supposed to do with this what am i supposed to give it to her i said and then i re- i go back and i'm like oh my god this was always so awkward like it's always today's the last day before break like you're going to have to like 
almost like bum rush her and like hand it to her and then run is kind of the way I remember the experience I, going. This reminds me of that first girlfriend I had. I bought her a, a little gift and I knew like where her locker was and I went there in the morning before homeroom. Oh, and uh, this was in middle school and she wasn't there. But somebody who was in her homeroom that I was friends with, somebody I'm actually still friends with today, but I said, well, can you give this to her? And so I gave it to him to give to her. And did she get it? Did she receive she did, it? She did get okay, it. Okay, yeah. so it's a good friend. It's good that you're still friends with him. Um, so he goes, and he goes, well, Mom, what if she didn't get me anything? And I said, wait a second. This wasn't sorted out beforehand? Like, shouldn't there have been some sort of dialogue about, am I getting you or are you getting me? Like, you don't want to be in a position where here's this. And then there's nothing on the return, and she's a, a really innocent, sweet girl. And and so I said, we were, Amy and I were talking. We're like, I think you ought to just text her and just say, Hey, I, I've got you something. I'd like to give it to you tomorrow. When is a good time? So this is go. the best communication. That communication. That's, that's good relationship. I feel like that's a win. Like let's just talk about it. So sure enough, um, she goes, she goes, uh, Oh, whenever. Oh my gosh, what do you like? And so now she goes, what do you want for Christmas? So now that we're a day out and it was last night and I'm knowing these parents and I'm thinking to myself, well, what can they possibly get on this short of return? So we advise to do, uh, I said, well, just say like chocolate and gum or something like that, or just, you know, you don't have to get me anything, something like that. And she's like, she was very sweet in the return. And anyway, so he goes off today and, and the exchange will take place. And this brings us back to Francesca Killian, Montana, Yogo Sapphire. This was all that you had to get a girl in the fifth grade was the Yogo Sapphire necklace. Like everybody was getting it. Uh, you had to do it. Um, we, you know, Ponderosa, it's, my dad was not on any of these conversations. God rest her soul. My mom, this was on her. So town was an hour, 45 minutes where you could get something like this. So my mom goes, I give her marching orders. This is what is required. I want to say mm -hmm. the price on these in those days were probably around feels to me like 27 bucks, which was a lot of money for a fifth grader um, <laughs> at that time. And so I said, like, look, this mom, this is what we need. They didn't have the Tiffany's have in your hometown. No, no. I'm guessing it was a Claire's is probably <laughs> the extent. No, there were the Montana. Like, if you go out there, if you ever were to go out there, they pedal these sapphires left and right. They pedal sapphires and huckleberries as much as you want. That's that's the whole operation. Is it kind of like the uh, what's that like turquoise thing that they sell it's out a, west? Like uh, how they have those everywhere? No, you mean like Southwest? Like yeah. there's that? Yeah. No, no. It's it's a um, it's just a, a it's a traditional sapphire color. Okay. Um, they're just smaller and and so, but they're the it's a traditional sapphire color. So it comes time for the big exchange. My mom, God bless her, she comes back. We she hands me the necklace that was purchased instead. Um, she tells me. Uh, that $27 was a ridiculous price, and so she got a different necklace instead. And it was some sort of a fake gold heart thing or something that was less. And I was the, and I remember being like, what have you done? You have, there were one marching orders. I would have paid if I could have, not understanding any of it. Mm -hmm. But I, it, so we go do the exchange. Um, there is a, a very warm exchange, but the necklace was never worn. A mm -hmm. sure sign. Yeah, a sure sign. And the breakup happened shortly thereafter, and away you go. They, we did rekindle later on. I don't know whatever happened to her, but um, did that, you get I, anything I, during that exchange? I did, I did, and in fact, so she wasn't got the GI Joe aircraft carrier. <laughs> not the GI Joe aircraft carrier, though. I see that thing bouncing around. We mentioned that on the show, and all of a sudden, it's showing up in my mentions. Like people <laughs> with the aircraft carrier, they have the USS flag. God bless them. 
No, it was a, uh, so as you can imagine, Bo Jackson was a big deal for me as mm-hmm. a kid. So it was a bow nose shirt, but here's what she did. So she didn't quite land the plane either. She got me a Nike bow nose shirt, but then on the back, she put my name, B E A U nose, like went to a screen printer and okay. put that on the back. And I was like, well, that sucks because now it's not the Bo Jackson shirt. Now it's bringing attention to, yeah, but you know your what name I mean? is Bo. And, yeah. and so it's both of us dropped the, the ball. Way, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Both of us dropped the ball. So we'll see how it goes for NBC today. He was nervous about the exchange. Um, those are nervy moments, man. Nervy moments. They are tough. Did you, did he wrap it himself? What, God, or no. was it a bag situation? Uh, I think everybody's going bag situation now, don't they? That's I mean, usually no, the easiest way. I still you know try to wrap. wrap. I mean, I understand the concept. I'm not great at getting the length of the of the wrapping paper right, so I always kind of end up with a little no bit more clue. bunched up. But I do know how to do it. I feel like I used to be better at it. Maybe I just had more patience yeah. as a younger man, but I I do know how to do it. My wife, I wrapped two things for J Lo this year, so that's all. You that's got them both? the extent of my wrapping. Well, that's a good job out of you. I try to do it. It ends up poorly. The bottom side is always off. I mean, the folding isn't right. Mm-hmm. My wife's looked like they were like they came off of the set of a Christmas movie. <laughs> Every corner pristine, bows that are tied, I, like the department a, store wrapping. Yes, like it's yes, perfect. It's like yeah. the old school Macy's window. Uh-huh. That's what everything looks like under the tree. It's and I, I'm like, I can't do this. Can we just do sacks? Like that feels like the easiest way to do this is just to go sax. <laughs> we, um, we're, we're we're trying to figure out how to wrap some of the other gifts and and things that like we got something for my dad and I'm like, well, let's just throw like some twine around it and just, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, that's it. present it. I mean, he doesn't care, so he doesn't care. We'll no, he does. He's fine. He'll be just fine with it. Um, we had NFL football last night. I watched a little of this. God, the 49ers, they look gorgeous in those all whites with the drop shadow jerseys. Um, and they're good. Brock Purdy's really good. Uh, they got McCaffrey going. They do this without Samuel. This is their third quarterback. They unlocked Kittle last night. The play that's making the rounds is that double fake where Purdy throws it back down the seam to, to Kittle for the touchdown. Um, in this game is probably the most egregious, stupid roughing the passer penalty, maybe in the history of the sport. I feel like on Nick Bosa, right? It feels like it was just to erase the pick six. It feels like a pretty normal routine play for a defensive end. Yeah. And then they were like, well, we can't. We can't let this game get too out of hand. It's rubbing the passer. You know, you might not be far off because it took. A, it's not like the flag was thrown right away. Mm-hmm. They had to look at it and be like, they had yeah. to look at it and go, oh yeah, this is. Wait, what? Like, are you kidding? In what world is that roughing? So this was Mr. Bezos is paying a lot for this stuff. Let's, let's let's get this out there. I'm not sure he's what he's getting out of it. San Francisco's favored by three. It was the easiest call of kind of a weird weekend in the NFL. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of great games. Like, honest to goodness. If, if you were saying good versus good this weekend in the NFL, kind of the only one is probably Miami at Buffalo. Everything else, I mean, there's interesting games like Giants and Commies matters a great deal. Um, obviously, we'd be paying attention to our to the local teams with Baltimore at Cleveland, and then uh, with uh, the the Bengals. Burrow and, Brady and has yeah. an interest to it, but to it, yeah, dude. The rest of these are dogs. It's a ton of bad games, um, and and so. Yeah, that that one would have snowballed had that not gone the case. Um, the Niners, like, at what point do we – we talked about this, and you actually sent me something from one of the PFF guys. Kyle Shanahan's genius versus quarterbacks. Like, how many – it was like six quarterbacks you'd take versus Shanahan in the field uh-huh. um, with his genius. It, it, I think he is. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. I think he's the only true offensive genius in the league. I think everybody else – there's a lot of really smart guys – 
and there's guys when they're with the right people, they can flourish. It feels like it doesn't matter who he's with. Uh, they're good. I mean, you remember he was a coordinator in Cleveland when they had Hoyer and got off to like that six and four start with Brian Hoyer before they went back to John football. Like that was, he did that. He did Matt Ryan to an MVP and a, a whisker of a Super Bowl. He's been to the Super Bowl with the Niners. He's had, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Doesn't matter who the running back is. They're good. And it's a remarkable thing that he does every single year. It's the idea that, you know, Mike McDaniel came up with this. Sean McVay has, has had these issues. Cliff Kingsbury, I think, goes through this just about every season. But the idea of you come out and your offense is really good, but NFL figures it out and they, yeah. and they counter. And Shanahan always can counter the counter. And that's the difference is that he always has, oh, you figured yeah. out how to stop that concept. Well, Guess what? You think it's the same concept because I always line up in the same type of formations, but actually it's this. That play that you mentioned uh, back to Kittle, the first touchdown, oh. where he, he fakes it two ways and then Kittle's wide open. I stood up and I, we had uh, the two TVs on. I stood up and God I was like, you. Jay, J-Lo, you got to see this. Jen, Jen, look at this. And I like stood up and I was like, see, he's got the guy in motion this way, kind of faking almost a reverse right. type motion. Then it looks like he's going to go to the screen. Then he throws to Kittle wide open and then Kittle's so good, he outruns the safety to the corner of the end zone and boom, yeah. touchdown. I, I thought it was one of the most beautiful football plays, like non-trick play that I've ever seen. It was almost it was a trick awesome. play, but it's not a trick play. It was a great play. Uh, James talked about this all the time, like going against that Shanahan scheme, how everything looks exactly the same, and it's the hardest to prepare for. The fact that Kittle released yeah. off the line to do yeah. that, to get wide open in the middle of the field, stunning. Beautiful. The timing of it has to be perfect. The fact that they're doing it with the last player picked in the NFL draft. Um, I was telling people, though, like you have to remember going into that last season at Iowa State, there was a lot of momentum for them to make a run. Didn't they start in the top 10? Mm-hmm. Iowa State that year with Brock Purdy and the running back who's at, who's the running back who's with the Jets? Brees Hall. Brees Hall. They had them part, both. It's part of the reason start, that Iowa jumped all the way up to number two. Because Iowa beat point. them in the opener, right? Right. The second game. Iowa beat Indiana and them early in the season when both were ranked high. Yeah. And, and that Iowa State team was pretty loaded for bear. And there was a lot of respect on Purdy. And I was explaining to people, it's not like this is, this was, I don't know what happened in the process. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't have elite, you know, in t- you know, measurables and all of that, but it's a guy that, you know, the Mannings were talking about how he was there, you know, at their Manning passing academy. They had him mm-hmm. there. So it's not like he wasn't somebody who was identified early. In fact, that he was, he had an Alabama offer, um, ended up staying at, at, and going to Iowa State, but it's not like he was somebody who wasn't identified. My hunch is, is that as the momentum of that season wore off, and then as you got into the postseason process and the pre-draft process, probably the measurables weren't there from an arm strength, size, strength, speed, those type of things. And he was forgotten. Well, and he and, was one of those guys that started for like three years. Yeah. And like his best year was the first one. Correct. And so maybe he didn't quite regress, but he definitely didn't really improve noticeably over mm-hmm. that time. And that kind of gets people, once your name is around for a long time, but you're not improving, people kind of, yeah, drop their stock on you. He looks like a dude. Shanahan said yesterday after the game, he's the best rookie I've ever had. Um, I, you know, they've, he's had some. He had Trey Lance last year. So that, that tells you a little bit can about you, what they can do with him. Can you name the other two, uh, quarterbacks in their first two starts to complete 70% of their passes, throw four touchdowns and have no interceptions? Zero chance. <laughs> no. Uh, do you have it? Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo. So kind of a weird group to be with. I don't know Rogers what to make of it. Rodgers waited. Mm hmm. 
Rodgers waited, I think, three years before he played in Green Bay, and then finally they got rid of Favre, and he went nuts. Uh, Garoppolo was shot out of a cannon in New England. That's when Brady was suspended, yes. right? With the yeah. So wow, yeah, that's good company either way. On the bottom end, if you're Garoppolo, and if he's somewhere in between, I, I'll tell you though, I you wonder, you just needed to see it a couple of times. I I I think they'll be more than fine with him. I don't know if they can beat the Eagles with him, but I think they can make a run through it. I, and if they get Debo back, their system is so damn good, and their defense, which we haven't really talked about at all, is elite. I think it's like five straight games holding opponents under yeah. 17 points or less. Uh, and crazy good with with Shanahan. The idea of like, well, well, they'll get they'll get film on him, and they'll be able, they'll know how to ha- have him figured out. And it's like, but it's not him. It's yeah. the Shanahan system that he's playing in. That's why he's been effective because you put this, you put Brock Purdy, he's probably better than Mr. Irrelevant, but you put him on any other team starting in this situation. It's not going to look like this. No, no, it's, but he's, he's, I was talking to a buddy of mine who knows Kyle really well. And he said, what I think, why I think this will work is Brock Purdy will do exactly what Kyle says. And if he does exactly what he says and executes it, they'll be fine. And to me, it looks like the 49ers are more than fine. Um, we've got some uh, some interesting news out of USC in terms of their athletes and a precedent that could be set. We've got a new boss in the NCAA. Uh, what we learned this week, we've got a higher or lower on the best teams of the college football playoff era. That'll be a lot of fun. Bill Connolly, ESPN, going to join us on that. Doug, in the 11 o'clock hour, we're off and running. Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan. Season ticket holder from day one, us two. Now and forever, your flagship home of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast. Or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. So they um, dropped the new the new uh, version of the gray sleeves yesterday we're wearing gray against georgia which you know that's going to hit big with me um i guess i'd rather have this a little bit than not at all i mean at least it's a little taste that when you know that it's saved when it's in the playoff Mm -hmm. um but the thing that i think is wild about it is okay so like nike can do it it's available it's perfect yeah just wear that jersey why don't we just wear that jersey like make it make it so like i what what's the hang up? Like it's there. It's funny. I saw the lacrosse team, which used to have the big thick gray sleeves as well. They went back to they look their uniforms now look exactly like the football uniforms with the thin stripe. Um, which by the way isn't even. I've heard people say, well, it's a consistent stripe. Well, no, it's not. The home stripe is different than the away stripe. The away stripe actually has gray. On right. It. The home stripe does not. So it's not the same stripe throughout. There's not consistency in stripe. Nike just wants the stripe on their non-Jersey apparel. That's what they want. And I don't know why, because the stripe is not what makes Ohio State. The stripe, no. the the point of the stripe, it's the one that goes down the middle of the helmet. Correct. That's what they want. But, like, that's not the iconic part of any of the part of the uniform, really. The, the stripe is the least iconic part of the helmet. Yeah. The color <laughs> All the of the helmet, the, the Buckeye leaves, everything else is more iconic than the stripe. The stripe is there to break up the helmet. And yet they leaned into it so much. They went all in. You don't even need the damn stripe on the helmet, quite frankly, if you didn't want to. Just could be a silver dome. Silver, yeah, with a silver dome, and just put Buckeye leaves all over it. That would solve it too. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's the damnedest thing, and it's been this way for a long time. And I've talked. (laughs) We used to. I used to talk to a lot of influential people about it and be like, "Why can't we do this?" And everyone kind of look and just basically the summation was, "I don't know. I don't know why we can't do it." It's like, well, geez, oh, okay. I don't know. Feels like, feels like it's universally approved. Every time they drop one of these, if you 
if you quote tweet it or push it, it's a billion likes. There's not anybody who's like, oh, yeah, this is less than the other one. Um, and, yes, I'm aware that there are gray sleeves on the away uniform, the standard away, but those are not equal gray sleeves. And those are only gray to break up the fact that the jersey is white. It just takes right. that stripe that's on so, the home uniform, and where it's white, it turns it to gray because the jersey's already white. And yet, on the home uniform, they have no gray, and they're not worried about the red being broken up. No. Right? So, like, the home uniform, it's a red it's a red and black stripe on a red jersey. And it's weird because you could also argue, like, that the, the helmets are obviously silver. The pants aren't the same silver they used to be. We're, like, the shiny no. silver. Um, so they're a little bit more gray. But there's almost no gray in the uniform when no. the colors are scarlet and gray. Yeah, so the... The pants, I mean, they're probably, I think most people would think, and I don't know if this is just a, um, you know, sometimes it's a, it's an age thing, but it's been so long since we've worn like the thick gray sleeves that, you know, most people are just used to the customary uniform and maybe even aren't even aware of how special it is when you get to wear the thick gray. Uh, we wear them in the playoffs. So again, I'm not, compl- at least we get them. So I'm, I'm for it. I wish they'd put them into retail. I think they'd sell them out in 10 seconds. Um, but from a, when you talk to most people and you put up pictures, usually most people think of like, when you think of I, the, the best the Buckeye uniform has ever looked, usually it's Eddie George. That's, so that's the a combination one, yeah. of Eddie being the coolest dude to ever play here, maybe on a very short list. Him and the big cat come to mind. That's true. Yep. And, and if you think of Eddie, it is the huge font on the numbers, the huge gray sleeves and the bright silver pants. That's the look of it. With the silver hat. I mean, that's kind of the one that, and there was talk. I remember Andrew Lind, who's all over this stuff, uh, with the uniform stuff. He, um, has a database for all of this, uh, that's worth checking out if you want to see kind of the uniform history and everything they've worn through the years. Um, he, he had hinted that maybe we would wear a throwback to the Eddie years in the Notre Dame game. And then Jerry shot that down, but there was, Andrew's not making that stuff up. So there was something afoot that potentially was going to happen where they were going to wear like a shiny silver pant with a big gray sleeve. And it's unfortunate because even if they keep this trend up, I don't think they're going to get a chance even in the national championship to get the scarlet jersey out because they're the, they're the fourth seed going right. in and they you know they did that to Oregon where they kind of yeah, Oregon can you wear the whites and the, but I don't think they would do that to Michigan. Maybe they would do it to TCU. They could they could win and it would be a 3 versus 4. Matchup in the title. I would be. TCU's I mean, just, got all sorts of uniforms. Yeah, they could do whatever they want with TCU. Um, yeah, the, I don't know if people realize that. Obviously, we were the four seed against Bama, and Oregon was the two. Oregon was the, yeah, Oregon was the two, and Oregon was the home team in the national championship. And Nike put them in stormtrooper uniforms so that Ohio State could wear the gray, the red over the gray, yeah. scarlet over the gray. Um, you could go color versus color versus Michigan. In LA, that would be, would be stunning. That would be nice. And then I mean, like, that's you, in play. There's no reason you couldn't do that. If, it, if you did play Michigan in the national championship game, there's no reason you couldn't do it. Harbaugh's a weirdo though. Like he might, he might have a problem with that. <laughs> He's, have you noticed what they've been doing? Like he goes, they go Navy pants is kind of their operation. But like, he, like he used to be white over white all the time. They wear white over white against us this year, but in their, in their, even a lot of their home games, instead of their classic like maze, you know, blue over maize, right. they'll go blue over blue. And he brought the white pants back because that's what he wore when he was there, but he was able to do it. I think it was actually Rick Leach. Like, he went back to, like, the late 70s, early 80s really? with the white over white. That was something that he liked when he was a kid. I think it's crispy. I like it. But they've they he is he really has leaned into the blue pant look, like the all-blue look in recent years, hmm. for sure.
What so, did you I think of the when they put out the jersey? I think it's not as bad on a jersey as it is on a trophy, but when they're pointing out all the, the reasons that yeah, things are designed, <laughs> fight a reminder of one of our core values. <laughs> right. The, okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, that's one of the, yeah, they always do that with the uniforms. They, remember they, the, the most ridiculous one was the Cavs when they dropped that, <laughs> like, for their metro parks yeah. or whatever the hell those things are for. Blue for the it's water. Blue for the water. Have you seen Lake Erie? I, you know, it's not blue. Certainly not that shade of blue. Um, all right. Um, back to the college football side of things. There's an interesting development out of USC, and the NCAA has a new boss. We'll get to all of that coming up. Tim May in about 15 minutes. Bishop Friends right here on The Fan. Rothman and Ice, the hardest working radio show in the business. This may offend our other shows, but honestly, they're too lazy to care. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. What's up? What's up, man? Sponsored by Celebration Kia. Well, the NCAA has a new boss, and here's a spoiler for you. He looks a lot like all the other bosses who have ran the NCAA. Uh, current governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, is the guy in charge of this thing. Um, so this is a really inspired choice by the presidents of the NCAA, of the, uh, uh, the most powerful people in the sport to go in this direction with another politician. This would clearly be uh, – so he has no history in in college athletics, none. So he's coming into this thing fresh. Well, he uh, played sure. sports in college is what Wonderful. they said. Wonderful. <laughs> um, so this is clearly a play, I think, pretty straightforward of we know we're going to be in litigation and we need somebody who can handle government issues. And this thing, could we could go all the way to the Supreme Court, uh, whether it's antitrust stuff or whether it's labor issues. Um, all of that is coming. We've gotten crushed the last few times we've gone up uh, again, in, all the way to the Supreme Court, and frankly, quite frankly, embarrassed the last time, which has led to the the chaos at the top of the football, and certainly the chaos in men's basketball. And it appears to be bipartisan as well, which is like they unheard like of right now. Jobs, <laughs> it's the only thing in this country that universally is approved. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. it Everybody's feels like, against the NCAA. Yeah, there's there's like three or four issues out there in the country that anytime they come up, like sports betting is one that is universally everybody wants. Um, this one, anything with the NCAA, um, those things are just passing it at wild clips. Right. Or they get admonished is what's happened with the NCAA. So this guy's in charge, and and who knows? I mean, it's not going to mean anything. The, the NCAA is completely feckless. There's no power in it. Um, they can run the true student-athlete college sports, um, the non-revenue-generating sports, but they really have – no, they obviously have no say in football and they have dwindling say in basketball. You saw the, um, you saw Sean Miller got nothing out of yeah. the Arizona stuff this week. So he got, I mean, he lost his job, but other than that, he got no penalties. Bill Self set out two games, one for him in the national title, four games. He was suspended this year. That was it. You're good. You're safe. By the way, they had, the feds had him on tape. Didn't matter. You're good. <laughs> And LSU didn't want to fire their guy until he just was not as good at coaching. Then they used it as an excuse to get rid of him. Then they used it as a way out. Will Wade, that was his name. Will Wade, yeah. They have no power. They haven't had power for several years. They're they're decent at putting on tournaments. They created a bracket. That's kind of their thing. They're not great at putting on tournaments, as we remember from the women's tournament a couple years ago, that are of equal, right? 
Um, but again, that goes back to a bigger conversation about football and men's basketball and how those two things just have to be separated from everything else at a university. Um, this was an interesting story that I saw yesterday that the National Labor Relations Board um, is taking a look at USC. So they actually directed their L.A. office to pursue charges of unfair labor practices versus USC football and basketball. Uh, the NLRB will argue that student-athletes at USC are employees of those groups and that their rights have been unlawfully restricted if they are successful athletes who play men's basketball, women's basketball, or football at any private college in the NCAA will be granted the rights of employees. Huh? Who says been saying that for the last couple of years, including the freedom to create unions? Um, Remember yeah. in 2015, Northwestern tried a similar thing and they didn't, they didn't quite get there, well, but there does seem to, to be more momentum with it now. Yeah, that was, yeah. And that it, again, the fact that, um, the fact that this is being pushed by an outside issue, you're right, USC or Northwestern didn't try to create that. Um, this is, here's the Cliff Notes version, guys. The money's just gotten too damn big. That's it. It's, it's, it's so egregious. Um, and this NIL stuff and the way that it's being used, it's all just so damn backwards that there's no real way out of this. And so if this were the case, this would allow for any, so the, the big key on this particular issue with USC is, private institutions, right? So they're saying this institution, this private institution is profiting off of these, quote, student athletes. And so they are no longer student athletes. They are, in fact, employees of said private entity. So right now, this doesn't cross over into public schools, mm-hmm. but it would impact, if depending on how far this goes, it would impact all of the private schools that are out there, like the Golden Domers and Duke and so forth. And um, I mean, I think they have a pretty good argument because when you look at it, like, well, what is a what is a job? What is an employee relationship with somebody? Well, you you show up when they want you to and put in the work. You get you know, there's repercussions if you don't show up and do your job correctly, yeah. and then they turn around and turn your labor into profit or into Correct. revenue for them. That's yeah, a business. <laughs> and it it was fine. This whole operation was fine for the longest time because the money was negligible. Um, you know, athletic actually, departments weren't billion dollar industries. And the scholarship was nine and kind the, of on the same level. The scholarship of, yeah. was the compensation. It, it was an equal or close to equal compensation of the coaches in the universities, but it's all flipped. And USC is a great example. And I think it's smart of them to go at USC because, because of the value of their football program, they're going to get a hundred billion dollars a year from a TV deal. It's just, I don't know what this is going to lead to specifically, but it's one more crack. This whole thing is a house of cards, man, and and we love it, and it's pure joy. But it's slipping, and every once every once in a while, something like this. And by the way, more recent, I'm sorry, more frequent than ever, you're seeing stuff like this, the cracks and the cards starting to fall. It's what they're getting at here is something that we've been saying for a long time. It's the only way to truly govern this. And the thing keeping the House of Cards standing is the college administrators that like what the NCAA does for them because it makes their jobs easier and then they all get to rake in all the cash. But all, I mean, all it's really going to take is for eventually for it to be, be too much, too much public scrutiny, too many losses in court for the Gene Smiths, the Greg Sankeys, the Kevin Warrens of the world to say, I'm not standing on the front lines in front of this House of Cards anymore. And then it will all tumble. Yeah, it's coming though. It's, and it's coming faster than ever. We'll get Tim Bay's been around a long time on the college side of things. Loves it as much as anybody as you could probably tell. He'll join us coming up next. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. 
On air, online, on the app. New methods of consumption, same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Distilled sports discussion, served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Skyline gift cards make great last-minute gifts, and now through Christmas Eve, get a free gift certificate with a qualifying gift card purchase participating Skyline restaurants. See store for details. 50 bucks to Skyline. Let's go fourth caller at 821-9710, and that will take care of you on that. In terms of getting a little smarter on the college sports side of things, we head out on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline with a visit with our good buddy Tim May of the Tim May Podcast at Letterman Row, and, of course, the Fan Tailgate Show. Boy, there's been a lot going on, pal, and probably we need an hour, and maybe we'll get Doug involved and, and try to get something of that done because we probably need an hour to sort all of this stuff out. Um, That'd but this be great. Ha- that would be great. I, well, I'm, I'm efforting. I'm efforting. I know, man. If you think of the last – there's been a lot going on here, man. Um, as you oh, think yeah. of, of what – you think about the press conference Ryan Day had at the for the Georgia game, and you think in the middle of that press conference basically having to say, and I know how uncomfortable it makes him, you know it does, having to say, look, we know our fans will do their part. This is where mm-hmm. we are in this sport right now, and there's nobody mm-hmm. at the wheel changing it. Are, are you? Is is the sport just basically hoping that it corrects itself? Uh, that's kind of the way it's gone along all along. If you look at it, uh, Bo. I mean, you know, bottom line is we've talked about this a million times, right? And Chiblé had a chance to figure this out, you know, five, ten years ago, and uh, didn't get it done could have made it uh, basically NCAA rules about NIL, NCAA rules about paying players, NCAA rules about the transfer portal. Obviously, the transfer portal is the only part of it that is controlled by the NCAA, <laughs> and they screwed that up even yeah. uh, from the standpoint of making it a wide-open affair, thinking how many people take advantage or try to take advantage of it. And really, what's, what's really bad is, uh, number one, the, the, the creme de la creme that enter the transfer portal have no worries. They're going to end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the creme de la, you know, not opposite. creme. Right. Yeah. The opposite. There you go. Creme de la not creme. I like that. Um, the opposite, <laughs> AKA the opposite can end up, you know, working in McDonald's next year. I mean, uh, and there's nothing wrong with working in McDonald's, by the way. As a matter of fact, their uh, minimum wage has gone up, I think, but yeah. you understand my drift. I do. Uh, the point is, there's no guarantee for anybody, uh, any of these players who enter the portal that they're going to come out the other end of it to uh, work uh, playing somewhere else. So it's just a it's a real mess, and it's uh, uh, it's only going to get messier unless they can wrap their hand their hands around it. We've talked about it before. I mean, you can put a, uh, a time limit on when you can and can't be in the portal, uh, but it doesn't change the fact there is the portal and people seeking uh, paradise elsewhere. And so, anyway, that like I said, it's more of an hour-long conversation sure. with me, you, and Doug than it is five minutes because if you could fix it in five minutes, somebody would have. But I think the bottom line that Doug and I both agree with, wherever you come out of this in a revamped NCAA and or a, a brand-new uh, governing body for, like, the, the biggies uh, – you're going to end up. You're going to need some type of czar, or let's call it a triumvirate, maybe situation uh, to rule it from the standpoint of being able to make uh, unilateral, instantaneous decisions on things to uh, snap, you know, nip things in the bud that are getting out of hand, 
etc. And if you want to be a member of it, you adhere to to the new rules. If you don't, you know, go play somewhere else, you know, and that's, that's bottom line. But, uh, well, the other thing that's the bottom, wait a minute. The other thing that's the bottom line though, now that the, uh, now that the, uh, uh, now that the thing has exploded is there's a word that the SAA doesn't want to use when it comes to its athletes, student athletes. And that's the word contract. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way to truly get a grip on this thing is, you know, like Doug and I were talking about, uh, uh, and the NFL team fires its coach. That doesn't mean all of its players can just run off and become free agents, you know, unless sure. they're in their contract they're a free agent. So there has to be something binding for all people concerned because, you know, you can say, well, you can sign with this school and then their coach can leave the next year. Well, yeah, you can sign with an NFL team and their coach can leave the next year or be fired in the middle of the season, et cetera. So there are no guarantees in anything, uh, you know, in this regard. So, it's, it's basically about making good decisions, maybe making one bad decision, and then making uh, a good one the next time, but not being able to do it four times in a row. I've been saying since you and I would visit in the hallways of Channel 10 and have said it mm-hmm. very strongly for the last five years on this show. Who let this guy only, in here? Oh. <laughs> that the only way that this is – where we're caroming is to just call it what it is, which is professional sports. I mean, that's it. That's So you're yeah. talking about contracts. That Then you're also talking about – benefits and collectively bargained and all of those type of that's where this is headed and that's probably the only way to corral it the the thing that yeah. I, I go back to Saban last spring when he said what he said and i think about coaches now in and i look they make ryan day makes nine million bucks i'm not no one's crying for him um but what th- their job is in this window right now is so crazy. crazy. The, the head coach at Washington State uh, just yesterday uh, said he's in, and this is happening everywhere. And I wish he would say all of it out loud, but he said, You're right. you know, exactly. he's got people uh, calling his players, coaches calling his players on his team, telling them to hop in the portal and they'll take care of them with NIL. Now, I wish he would name names, truly. I mean, I think right. that, that right. now you got something. Say, hey, UCLA, Chip Kelly's got guys calling my guys, name names. But then I say to myself, well, who the hell's even going to administer it? If there is some sort of fault there or right. violation, who's going to administer it? The NCAA is completely feckless. So when you think about the most powerful people in the sport, you're talking about Sankey, Warren, guys like Gene Smith, guys like Saban. The, until they are aggrieved to the point of change, it's hard to imagine anything changing. Uh, agreed. And, you know, Gene, Gene Smith, I give him credit. I mean, he wasn't, he was trying to change things from within, you know, many years ago or several years ago. Let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, wasn't out uh, grandstanding, you know, from the standpoint of this has got to change or else, whatever. He was trying to get it done from the inside out, and it didn't work because a lot of people didn't want to change things. Yeah. And uh, just like you and I are talking about, I mean, for example, it's when when you combine the ability to pay players, I mean, you know that what that did <clears> – <throat> And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names right now because you know sometimes it's really hard even though you know stuff is going on mm-hmm. can you prove it in a court of law you know what I mean that's the yeah. deal uh, but it just made legal the NIL made legal what was going on anyway mm-hmm. and uh, and so a lot of people were ahead of the game to begin with in this regard in this regard at least of mustering the troops you know and uh, yeah. and getting them going and now you've got Ohio State it was quite the juxtaposition was it last week. Uh, when Gene put out that comment, that statement, and what he was clarifying was, 
if you want to be a part of it, meaning not just being in the NIL uh, realm of it, but be maybe as a backer of a sport like women's volleyball or something, you know, give the Ohio State administration uh, a call and they can like at least guide you. They can't set up an NIL uh, and, you know what I mean, the collectors, sure. they can't be involved with that part, but they can, you know, you, they can help help you get to where you want to go with your money one way or the other. But they put out that comment. And at the same time, uh, the Christina and Nina Day, excuse me, the Christina and Ryan Day Fund uh, for Nationwide Hospital and, you know, working with kids uh, with uh, helping with them with mental illness, mental awareness sure. and stuff also came out about, you know, hey, give. And it's those were lined up against each other. And you're kind of right. going, wow, what a, what a moment we are. We are in here in major college sports. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it is a longer conversation. We're up against it. Got to let you go. But we'll get that longer conversation done. Appreciate your time as always, my friend. Always a pleasure you know that, Bo, and Merry Christmas, although I'll probably see you next week, brother. Well, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Uh, the great Tim May at the Letterman Row of the Fan Tailgate Show uh, right here on The Fan. Uh, coming up next, we'll get into some college football. Bill Connolly, who's going to join us at the bottom of the next hour, ranked the best college football teams of the playoff era. Uh, where do the Buckeyes land or your most beloved Buckeyes during that run? We will let you know. That's coming up next. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. Here's a listener tweet. Are men and bones stupid in real life? Yes. Yes, they are. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Think. Producers. Co-hosts. Friends. Some of those things are true. You're listening to Big Up and Friends. We're, we're so into the football weeds. I was unaware that the Nets did that. Yeah, it was. I, I was unaware, and then I saw the fine read into it, and I was like, "Man, I'd like." And it was at what's Indi- the fine again? Twenty five thousand. I that think that should be. It should be twenty five million. I mean, yeah, twenty five thousand. I mean, that's nothing. They, twenty five thousand. They'll do it again I mean, at twenty five thousand. It's at a seat cushion, like. It should Kevin be Durant a makes that the one of the one of the players they rested makes more than that every game. More multiple players probably. <laughs> multiple players make more than that every game. There's um, they should refund everybody who bought a ticket. That should be a free. It game. was at Indiana too. Okay, like, then, if, you, then, if you want to do it, you got to do it. You at home. pay. You pay nets. You pay the ticket cost, and I don't care if it's resale market or face value. Whatever, whoever bought tickets to that game in Indy, whatever they paid for their tickets, you refund it. That's a joke, man. That's, that is a joke. The, I mean, I understand that injuries happen, but like when you're just no, resting players, it, it, then their their coach was up there trying to say like, oh well, if you look at it, he was injured. And this was, and he was trying Shut to. Up. No, and like, yeah, like people pay their hard-earned money to go see the top athletes play, and then you just, oh, it's a game at Indiana, we'll just rest them. Here's the other thing. Like this time of year, a lot of times stuff like that is Christmas presents, holiday presents, that type of stuff. You're the, you're the, you take the kid to the game to see the team play. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're a Durant fan, and your kid, this is what he wants to watch Durant play, so you pony up to do it. And then you go there and they rest eight dudes. That's not the same. They're, that sport is teetering right now with that. They've been doing it for a long time. The the scheduled rest nonsense. There's plenty of rest in a season. Plenty of rest. They, it's easier now to be an NBA player than ever before. Go look at Jordan's year-by-year games played. Go mm-hmm. see how many times he played 82. If it's a real injury, fine. But this nonsense of sitting it out, I'm telling you, man, we talk about it all the time. We do it in college football. We just did it. It's a very similar conversation we had about with when we had the NIL with the burden on the fan. It's the same thing here. Fans are smarter than they've ever been. It's easier for us to access in our homes 
all the entertainment we want. We have a billion options for entertainment. It, it is a choice. It is a financial choice. It is a time choice to choose to go to a sporting event live. And it used to be something that was, well, you can only get this here. And it still is in certain parts. But when you think about how good it is at home and the amount of other things people are in, especially young people, and you pull that, that's a big gamble, baby. Yeah, it's almost to the point of like, hey, if you, I mean, if they really want to pull this wrestling stuff, then you got to put out your rest schedule at the beginning of the year. Well, you, I, I, I think you that those are freebies. If it's, I mean, you got to hit them where it hurts. It's got to be in the pocketbook. To me, if there were 19,000 people at that game from Indy, then the owner of the Brooklyn Nets goes. That'd be very easy to figure out how those tickets were exchanged or mm-hmm. who paid for them. It's all done on. What is it, SeatGeek or yeah, whatever? Present it's your all, all invoice email to the yep. NBA, and you will and get a sold. refund. And here's your refund, because that is not what you bought. There's nothing else that you buy anticipating something, and then it's delivered, and it's not that you can't return and get your money back. Because even nothing like, else, even like Broadway shows and stuff, I believe they have the schedule of like when it's yes. the understudies and when it's For sure. when it's those people. Can you it imagine going to a movie and it being like, actually, this is the one where Tom Cruise's stunt double? But, well, he doesn't have a playing stunt the, double. He's playing a bad the example, part of Maverick like, yeah. is is Pickett, Steve Carell. Yeah, well, this isn't <laughs> this is his turn. This to is do not it. Maverick. What the hell is this, man? <laughs> I mean, that's not it. That's that's bad. That's a bad look. I, I think that number's got to be way bigger, and I think they got to hit them hard because fans have never been smarter than they are now. Yeah, I didn't and think about been more choices. When I copied that down for the update and was looking at it, I didn't think about the number, but I was like, now that yeah, it's 25 grand is nothing to an it's NBA nothing. team. No. That every, all the parking should be refunded. All the tickets should be refunded. Every beer should be refunded. Submit your receipts. Whatever it costs you to go to that game should go back in your pocket because what you signed up for is not what you got. And that's on them. And like, that's the thing is like, I mean, I, yes, you guys are athletes and it's, it's very difficult and everything, but like you're in the entertainment oh, business. Come on. That's, it's now, an entertainment look, product. The, the coddling of the professional athlete now, because there is so much money in it, the private planes, the hotels, the training, the nutrition. I mean, I see it firsthand the way that professional athletes are handled. It's a, and I get it, right? They're incredible entities in a, in multi-billion dollar businesses. I understand it. But the notion that anybody needs rest from that is nonsense. Taylor Swift isn't singing tonight. Here's her sister. Yes. Good luck with that. And playing the part of Britney Spears on Vegas. Jamie Lynn Spears. You won't notice anything. Um, all right. Let's do a little higher, lower. Hit it, Chops. Bishop and Friends present. Higher or lower. Sponsored by Kino from the Ohio Lottery. Now you can cash out winnings right in the Ohio Lottery app. Kino, let the fun fly. Now, this is uh, from our friend Bill Connolly of ESPN, and he has his S&P Plus uh, metric that, that, that he really likes. And it is a very good um, look into what's happening yeah. with, with college sports. Uh, you know, you don't always have to agree with it, but I, what I do like about things like this and like PFF is they stick to it and they believe in their formula yeah. and they and they go, this is how I see it because I, I rank every team with this formula. So sometimes there can be peculiarities to it, but I think it ends up being pretty accurate. So he went ahead and decided to rank from top to bottom every team that has ever participated mm-hmm. in the college football playoff. And that's 36 teams total. We're in the ninth year, I suppose. It was eight years ago that Ohio State won the championship, but it's the ninth playoff now. 
here's where the list starts. We're going to start at the uh, at the top. 2020 Alabama, 13 and 0, obviously beat Ohio State in the national championship, mm-hmm. uh, is number one. Number two is 2019 LSU. They were 15 and 0. They beat uh, Oklahoma and Clemson on their way to the national championship. Higher or lower for those Tigers? It's funny with those two teams, right? Because those are the first two that come to mind when you think of this. Um, when you think of the best teams of this era in college football. Um, both have pro quarterbacks, both have pro receivers everywhere, both have pros, both sides of the ball. Um, it's my f- gut feeling on it. And I don't know why LSU in 2019 played 15 games, how they got a 15. Oh, because Bama didn't play. They must have got a bonus game and then Bama didn't play for the SEC. No, they did. Of Bama, they it was did. a COVID year oh, for Bama. Oh, COVID year. COVID year for Bama. So they That's only why. played a, uh, SEC games. So they played 10 SEC 10 games, SEC. an SEC championship, okay. two right. playoff COVID, games. COVID. Yeah. Um, so my feeling was, without thinking about it, was 2019 LSU is the best team of this era. And I thought it was, in my head, I think it's probably the most talented team, you know, probably since those early 2000 Miami teams in terms of just a sheer amount mm-hmm. of NFL stars uh, that are on it. Um, but the the one thing that I think I kind of keep going back to L- Alabama in 20 might be the right choice from the standpoint of they did have Saban. So if the two teams are close and one has Burrow and one has Mac Jones, slight add LSU, one is coached by Ed Orgeron, the other is coached by Nick Saban, it feels like they probably got it right. It feels like Bill probably got it right. These teams were dominant. That Bama team swamped us in, in 2020. I mean, 52 to 24. Um, they could have beat Notre Dame. They could have named their score. The same is true of LSU. They beat Oklahoma 63 to 28. I'm pretty sure they were up like, weren't they up like 42 to seven at half against Oklahoma? It, yeah, it was definitely, I remember being over in the first half. I was uh, visiting family in New York with JLo that, that week, and I remember we were out at a restaurant, and that one was on. We were out at the restaurant kind of early because we wanted to go back and watch the Ohio State game. It was after this game, and uh, but we, we were looking at it, and it was just over. We were like, "Yeah, okay, let's let's get back so we can watch the Ohio State game." This one's over. I'm pretty sure I want to pull it up because I think it, if memory serves, it was. Oh my god, it's even worse. It was, yeah, I had it right. It's 49 to 14 at half over Oklahoma. In the national semifinal at half, can you imagine mm-hmm. forty nine to fourteen? They went sixty three to twenty. So that would have been the Jalen Hurts Oklahoma, right? Yeah. The year after Kyler, yeah, yeah. yeah. All that and it stuff. would. So the, you know, the other thing is, is this is we're this is trampling on the next topic, but I think it's also the best Ohio State team of this era is two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. I know people will say fifteen, but there was a lot going on in fifteen. Fifteen maybe was more talented than nineteen, um, but They're nineteen really- was all rowing in the right direction, everybody rowing together. Mm-hmm. And as we, I'll never forget doing that show with threes. And we, that we had a list of 10 things that had to happen, uh, to lose to Clemson in the previous game, not to suggest that you would have beaten LSU in 2019. Um, I think that LSU team was on its own Island. Um, but I kind of think they probably get this right. Although I could have been, these were the two for me. So I, it could have gone either way. Yeah, and I think the reason why Alabama gets a slight edge at number one is like if these two teams played at the end of the year, then I don't know, man. It feels like a coin flip. But the LSU team needed a little bit of ramping up this season before they became their final form and were just a, a, a juggernaut that couldn't be stopped, whereas the Alabama team was just dominant throughout the, the entire season and exclamation point over Ohio State 52-24 to 24 They had the championship. Burrow. 
in this notation, it's important. I forget you forget about this. Burrow threw for NCAA record fifty six seventy one and sixty touchdowns. Sixty playing in the SEC. Not an NCAA record anymore. Not anymore. No. Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi's got it. But that's unbelievable. Fifty six seventy one and sixty touchdowns playing in an SEC. God, yeah, unbelievable. Number three is 2018 Clemson, which is Trevor Lawrence's freshman year. Freshman year yeah. uh, number four is 2022 Georgia. Number five is 2021 Georgia. So that's where I want to go with the higher or lower on those two Georgia teams. I mean, I'd swap the Georgias. I think this 2022 Georgia, you got to show. I mean, I got to see it. I, I think he's got him too high. But of course, he's on his SP plus rankings, and so that's what their average score is thirty nine to thirteen. Um, but they didn't have particularly tough crossover games with the SEC West. Uh, they avoided playing Alabama, which is probably the mo- second most talented team in the SEC. Um, they I didn't have like to play to a see... Tennessee like this year. No, right. So I mean, I, I would, I think two thousand twenty one Georgia. I would have them ahead of two thousand and twenty two Georgia. If it's between those two, I would, I would flop those. Yeah, it's probably what's holding I back. I would move 2022 Georgia chops. I'd move it down a little bit. I don't know that – I got to see it. I mean, are we sure that they would beat like a Deshaun Watson-led Clemson team in 2016? It's weird because with the Georgia team, you know, you're looking at it and like they do have some very impressive wins this year. I don't think LSU was all that good of a team. Now, that was a very impressive SEC championship, but it's, it, it was LSU. I don't think that that was a great team this year. The, the Tennessee win is very impressive, but I still look back to like – the Missouri game and the Kentucky game, which the Kentucky one gets completely forgotten because Ohio State had this kind of scare against Maryland and Michigan needed a last second field goal to win. TCU needed a last second field yeah. goal to win their game that week. And so it gets lost that they only beat Kentucky by 10. Who yeah. is an okay team and has an NFL quarterback, but you'd expect the, you know, the fourth best team in nine years of a college football playoff to take care of that Kentucky team. Um, so, and that's not like a full knock. I still think Georgia is a really good team. I just it's, think some of incomplete. these other ones. Yeah. 2022 Georgia is incomplete. They haven't, they've got, they, they, they have not played us yet in the national semifinal. They have not won the national championship yes. Cause yet. they, they lose that. So, they lose to Ohio State. Then where do you rank them? Yeah. I, then I it's think, a totally different. Yeah. So I, I think that they're just, I like that he put him in here. We'll ask him about it, but it, you know, I think that's more of a, I got to see it. We'll finish up the top 10 here real quick. By the way, the lowest ranked 36 was that 2015 Michigan State team for what it's worth. But six is 2017 Alabama. I don't know. You keep track of which Alabama team is which. Seven is 2016 Clemson, which is Deshaun Watson's championship. 2018 Alabama is eight. 2014 Ohio State is ninth. And 10th is 2015 Alabama. So Alabama's all over the top 10. As they should be. I mean, they're the dominant program of the sport. You know, the last 20 years, they're a true dynasty when you didn't think you'd be able to do that anymore, and they've done it. And 18 Bama um, is the only one to have lost. Yeah. So I think the thing that's, cons- that's odd to me is 18 Bama, um, which was undefeated, lost to Clemson in the national championship game. Is that, that's got to be Jalen Hurts' freshman year? Yes. Because Tua's freshman year was when he came in in, in overtime and beat Georgia. So it had to be Jalen Hurts in 18. Bama? Is that right? They lost to Clemson, right? They lost well, to Trevor Lawrence's was freshman LSU, year. Though, right? It's got to be 2018 Bama. Is that Tua? Is that the second year of Tua? Is that Jalen Hurts gone? Maybe Jalen Hurts' transfer year when he hung around, and it's, I think it is. I think it's second year of Tua. I think 17 is when Tua comes in and beats Georgia. No, but 18 is Kyler. 
So it can't be Jalen Hurts had to be at Alabama in eighteen. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I think it's I think it's Tua started that year for them, and they were trying to figure out what to do. That's the famous Nick Saban. So quit asking. I think it's that year. Because in seventeen they won the title. That's when they made the switch and beat Georgia at yeah. halftime. That's at what half-time. it is. There it is. We figured. Yeah. It. So this I, that's is what the, I was saying. It's hard to keep track of these Baylor teams. Yeah, this is the two a year. Two a threw for four thousand yards, forty three touchdowns. Hertz was still on the team. Uh, Mac Jones, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Brian Roberts. My God, this is outrageous. Uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith. Those are the receivers. Every single one of the backs are pros. So they good pros, and every receiver is a pro. It makes sense that they're the only one in the top ten with a college football playoff loss here. Yeah. Yeah, the only argument you would make would be, but I mean, they were swamped by Lawrence in that game. Yeah, they got hammered. They couldn't handle him. No, no, they couldn't. That Forty-four was, to sixteen, that final. Yeah, I was going to be really chesty about the two thousand nineteen Ohio State team should be the highest ranked team that didn't win it, but then I read that roster and I think maybe they probably got it right. Um, we will give our top three Buckeye teams of the college football playoff era coming up next, and Bill will join us at the bottom of the hour. Bishman friends, right here on the fan. Head to 971thefan.com to listen on demand and subscribe to all our podcasts. Wasting time has never been easier. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends. Getting cash out of your home doesn't mean you have to do a full-blown refinance. Far from it. My good friends at Neighborhood Lender offering fast, easy home equity loans. Neighborhood Lender can do it for you right now. Get the cash out of your home. Cash for the holidays, cash to pay off credit card debt accrued during the holidays, cash to pay off high interest debt. It's there for you. You just need the access. That's where Neighborhood Lender comes in. It's a great time to do it. In fact, borrowing for your home a lot smarter than borrowing from the bank. Neighborhood Lender's home equity line can let you tap a specific amount of your home's equity without touching your low primary mortgage rate. In fact, you can access up to 95% of your home's value if you want to. And guys, you probably won't even need an appraisal. Give Neighborhood Lender a call right now. Use your home to get the cash that you need to get yourself in a better financial position for the new year. The number is 614-882-LOAN. That's 614-882-LOAN. NeighborhoodLender.com. 614-882-LOAN, Neighbor Lenders and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 69349, and subject to lender approval on that. All right, so you ranked your top four teams of the playoff era. I kind of weighed in on this when we were doing the rankings. You had you had 19 LSU, 20 Bama, 21 Georgia, 19 Ohio State, top four, so the Buckeyes. Did that Alabama roster change anything for you, 18 Bama? I mean that is that is quite the roster there. Um, <laughs> it really was, but I mean they they got beat bad. They did, you know that's the uh, that's the hard part there. It's like you can't I, just look at the roster because you start. I mean, list off the 2015 Buckeye roster. So, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it is. It's it is strange. I I don't know how it. It's I remember the game and I remember just thinking like, my God, are we watching Peyton Manning incarnate in Trevor Lawrence? Like. Right. Is this that was his freshman year? He took over for Kelly year. Bryant and like four games in. Yeah. And yeah. then if you would have said, Well, that's the only one he's gonna win, I would have said you're nuts. There's there's no way that that wasn't gonna be the case. And then he was uh, never a Heisman finalist it. either. Jeez, it's true. At least I don't think wild. he was. Yeah, I know he didn't win it. I don't think he was ever a finalist. Yeah. That's pretty wild when you think about it. Yeah. Of, of getting the part about getting it wrong. So if you take the task of ranking the best Buckeye teams in this roster. Um, and I think the one thing you have to set up for the rules is, is it, do they have to have played in it? Because, and this is a, it's a strange thing. I think one day 
there will be enough interest. I know uh, Joshua and Tyvis and uh, Evan and others have done stuff on the fourteen fifteen run and some of the stuff that happened from a podcast format. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could take the two thousand and fifteen team from the second they lost to Michigan State here, they weren't losing to anybody in the country. They yeah. took that loss for them to be what they should have been all along. I, the million reasons why. We can litigate it in the summer when we have more time. Um, but I, I think that's probably – if you you give me that 15 team with the attitude they had going into the Michigan game and the Notre Dame game, I think they beat anybody that year in 2015 by a wide margin. That's probably it. But they never – you didn't see it until it was too late. Yeah, I mean, they're up there with the same thing that we were talking about with that 2018 Bama and then 2019 LSU falls into this. To where the, I mean, when you look at those rosters, man, those are the most talented team. Those are probably the three most talented. Maybe 21 Georgia as well. It's not, you know, it's more on the defensive side, but you yeah. gotta, you gotta let that be known. I mean, look at how many players they had drafted. So those are probably, if you're going four most talented, that's probably the group. I'm not sure the, the exact order I'd put them in because are we ranking them by talent accumulation that, yeah, or so by I, actual team? Yeah, I think they also have to have been in the playoff for us to rank the Buckeye team. So True. I would rank them this way. Um, I would have 19 number one. I'd have that the most, I think that's the best Ohio State team that went into the playoff. Agreed. Um, I think they could have gone toe to toe with LSU in that championship game. I wish we could have seen it. They should have beat Clemson. They should have. I mean, had to go right. Or we go went wrong. through all of them. I mean, it was all of those things. I think that that was the squad to do it. It had every single thing that you need to go win a national championship. Um, I would probably put 14 second, the actual national championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would probably go 23rd, the 2020 team third. That team was, you got to remember about that team. That's a team that lost to Bama. That's field sophomore year loaded. The one thing about 20, you got to remember is like we had guys with sitting out with COVID. We yeah. only played five games that year. Like, so it's hard to, you know, you, you, you have the great, one of the five best performances an athlete has ever had wearing that jersey by Justin Fields in the national semifinal. And then you get to the Bama game. You had guys sitting out. We were in the middle of COVID protocols. Remember that? We were testing guys while we were there. Bama wasn't. And, well, there was Not the, that you would have beaten that The Bama idea team, of the but, discrepancy between yeah. the testing and, yeah. Yeah. I would, so those would be my top three. I would like to revisit it once we see 22 play out. Um, because I could, I could find myself putting them ahead of 20. Um, I don't know about the other two. It would depend on what they look like in these next two games, but I do believe that 22's defense is a lot better than 20's defense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it. I I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> right. We'll find out. I mean, they've given up big shots. They gave up a lot of big shots in the in the Michigan game. Maryland was able to come back. Penn State had some success. We'll see how it goes uh, against Georgia. Um, but I, I do think, and this is something we've talked about in the summer. I remember talking about this. It's odd around here that our best, most talented teams don't win the natty. It's, that, it's it's not our best teams that have won it. And that goes yeah, back, yeah, kind of really into the Cooper era is when you really start to think about that. It, yeah. it goes all the way back to 69 Yeah, with the Super Softs losing at Michigan. Like This goes back a long time where the most talented teams here aren't necessarily the ones that hang the banners. Well, they, So the Super Softs would have been the, the junior 68, juniors? 68, they win it. <laughs> yeah, they win it in 68. They are, No one's even close to them all the way in 69 until Bo gets them in the, in the game. Yeah. So that's... But so this this type of stuff's been happening for a while. It's odd. We have all the success, but the most talented teams 
aren't the ones that necessarily hang back. What do you think about top four of the college football playoff era overall for you? I, I was convinced. Um, I, I can't LSU just seemed destiny. So them in 2020, I kind of did this when we were ranking them. You could flip a coin on them in 2020 mm-hmm. Alabama. I don't, you know, um, I would put, I would probably put, I think one of those Clemson teams, I would put probably the Deshaun Clemson team in 16. Yeah. I would probably put them in the top four. Um, and then, then it's tricky. There's a lot of ways you, it's hard. I, I feel like I feel like I feel like that twenty twenty one Georgia needs to be in the top. Yeah, defensively they were crazy. I just wonder, like, did they ever play a team that could that could really make them? You know, like, what's the best offensive team they played? Yeah, and it would have been Bama with Bryce Young, who got them in the SEC title game. But they got a chance to avenge Williams. No, they didn't have the other receiver either. Remember, he had nobody to throw to. True, and they had to come back in the second half, and it seemed insurmountable because it was Stetson Bennett, but. That guy's I think a game the 2021 Georgia is eating a little bit off of the fact that they haven't lost yet this year. I know how talented the defense yeah. was, but you know, like if if Jamison Williams plays in the national championship game, where he sure Bama doesn't get him in 2021. You got to remember that injury was there. Well, ask Bill Connolly about all this stuff. He came up with the rankings. He joins us next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. The Chris Holtman Daily Show is brought to you locally on the fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is Chris Holman Daily Show brought to you by Encova Insurance. Your team playing North Carolina this weekend. Playing a team like that and playing in a big atmosphere like Madison Square Garden, that's got to be exciting for a basketball team. Certainly be a lot of fun. It's uh, right one of the most the world's most iconic venues. Um, I've, I've competed in there a few times. It's a, a phenomenal team, number one team in the country in the preseason and for most of the early part of the season. You know, they've hit a bu- few bumps in the road, as every team does, but bottom line is is they're really good. They're really talented, well-coached. Uh, playing North Carolina in that venue is a great thing for our program. Okay, we'll have another comment in just a moment. Oh, knows many people to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends. You know, of all the national guys we have on, my favorite for content generation is the guy we're having on right now. We head out on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, the great Bill Connolly, ESPN, his SP Plus rankings. Bill, thank you so much, my friend. We had a lot of fun with your rankings of the best teams of the college football playoff era. Let's just start here because there's some of this stuff that we forget. Was 2019 the best year for the playoff ever? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's no question about that. It, it would have been perfect, I guess, for a three-team playoff, maybe some sort of, you know, round robin. We we really – there was a drop-off after three, but having those top three, uh, you know, having LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State all uh, kind of peak, really, in the same year, uh, that was that was big. That was a really, really uh, – Clemson-Ohio State is still, I think, the either the best or the second-best game of the, of the playoff era. That Georgia-Oklahoma game, I realize, has to probably still be number one, but it's number two at least. Yeah, I, I, you know, when we were, so after we, we looked at your rankings and we like did the best Buckeye teams of the era. And I think 19 was it. I think that's the correct answer to the question. Yep. And that, that Clemson game, I'll never get Lauren Itis and I doing the show after and saying like 10 things that had to happen for Ohio State to lose that game. All 10 did. And so Clemson won. I would have loved to have seen that Buckeye team against 19 LSU. We saw the Clemson team go against it. LSU dominant. Um, how do you think as you just looked numerically and you looked at how this thing all shook out, that 19 Buckeye team would have fared against LSU? Um, probably a little better. I mean, they were better than Clemson. It, you know, yeah. Like you, like you said, th- this was 
a lot of things had to happen there for for Clemson. Not that Clemson was bad by any no. means, but uh, the, Ohio State was still probably you know best of seven. They probably went in six or seven, but um, just they matched up a little better athletically. Um, it offered a little bit more danger in, in the in the passing game. That was something you know LSU LSU's defense peaked uh, late in the year. This is you know two thirds of the way through the year. It's the reason I have them number two instead of number one. It's just that first two thirds of the year their defense really wasn't very good. Um, but it 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 came together. Daryl Stingley was there, and you really needed that second or Derek Stingley, excuse me. Yeah, uh, you really needed that second big weapon to to test LSU. And Clemson really didn't bring enough to the table in that regard. I don't think so. Ohio State probably still loses. The LSU was awesome at the end of the year, but I think it's probably closer. Yeah, it's funny as you're going through this. Um, I was I was we were talking, and I, I said, boy, I think 19 Ohio State might have been the best team to ever to not win the national title. And then I went and looked at 2018 Alabama. And is that the one that you look at and go, how did that game happen the way that it did? A freshman in Trevor Lawrence, and they kind of slumped Bam in that title game. That was out in San Francisco, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I mean that was you know heading towards the the home stretch there. That was absolutely looking like Alabama's best team ever. Um, but it was I, I I got yelled at a lot of the off season by Clemson fans because I um, you know when you break that game down you see that you know Alabama basically won a vast majority of the first downs in that game and and most of the second downs and they, and I don't remember what the third downs were but it was like nine for ten for Clemson and then like thirty percent for Alabama they just yeah. they won every single key play in that game and then you get the fake field goal and all that other stuff and it gets out of hand but. I still the the best of seven example. I'm probably still picking Bama uh, in best of seven in that uh, in that season. But you know we have best of one and they lost uh, badly and and that obviously hurt them in the uh, in the rankings. Highest ranked Buckeye team you have on this is the 14 team that won the national title. Um, it's it's something that we deal with a lot around here and that the best slash most talented Ohio State teams aren't the one that wins the national title. 14 was absolutely loaded, but they were more loaded in 15. And I would make the case if you could take them at, they didn't even make the playoff. If yeah. they, if you take them the second after they lose to Michigan State at home and take that attitude, the way they played Michigan the following week and then Notre Dame, I think they'd have beat anybody in the country at that point. Um, as you look back at that stretch, 14 into 15 for the Buckeyes and you have them ninth on the list. What, what comes to mind? Yeah. I mean, that's the major thing is there was a little bit of a hangover. Obviously. You know, uh, even really, really good coaches can overthink quarterback situations. And, um, you know, that, that became a, a kind of a major subplot that year. And they just looked like uh, it, it was just a hangover year. They just couldn't really find their gear until they finally lost. I do think when you think about an expanded playoff uh, moving forward, mm-hmm. it is going to be really interesting because it doesn't necessarily um, – you know, teams like 2015 Ohio State, they're the teams that benefit the most – from an expanded playoff because it really obviously it matters how good you are at the beginning of the year, but it really matters how good you are at the end of the year. Um, and, and whether, and, and the season itself becomes kind of a search for fifth gear as much as anything else at the FCS level. We see this every year. My, my SP plus rankings at the FCS level always seem to be underrated North Dakota state heading into the playoffs because they know how to just kind of cruise along in third mm-hmm. gear for a little while uh, and then hit it, you know, then hit the accelerator late. That's going to be a new thing for college football, and, and it's those types of Ohio State teams especially that, that stand to benefit. All right, you have uh, a team that we're becoming quite familiar with, and, and Ohio State will play on New Year's Eve this year, 2022 Georgia. You have them four on this list. Um, 
even ahead of the 2021 Georgia team that had all of that NFL talent on the defensive side, this one does too. Um, what is the, what is the, the spot that having uh, kind of an incomplete, we don't know what 2022 yeah. Georgia, how they're going to finish, but to have them at four. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're probably more well-rounded this year. That's their biggest strength. Obviously their defense is still awesome, which is unfair really, but um, you know, the, the offense, the, the way they've been able to, they, they, The way they create space horizontally as much as vertically is just really interesting to me. They throw more – this is one of the things I'm going to be writing about in my preview, but they throw more – passes to wide open players than, than anybody in the playoffs and, and just about anybody in the country besides Caleb Williams and USC. Um, and, and they're, they're just create space for big guys who are hard to bring down or little guys with big guys near them and things like that. Their offense is just really, really fun and interesting to me this year, even though they probably don't hit enough big plays. But that's kind of a big deal against Ohio State. You got to hit your big play opportunities like Michigan did. Otherwise, Ohio State has more than enough weapons to do damage. That's this is a really fun matchup. I, I I'm going to pick Georgia to win the whole thing because they're the best. They've been the best team in the country this year. Uh, but they they're a more unique team I think than they were last year. They bring a lot of pretty interesting things to the table. And it, and I don't know if this is just you know being hopeful and looking at things through scarlet and gray colored glasses, but um, you know you, you do feel like that. Of, of the teams in the playoff that Ohio state does possess offensively, the things that could stress Georgia. It feels like Georgia right. to us just feels like Michigan on steroids. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, very similar, but just much, much better. Um, whereas Michigan's yin to the yang of Georgia, it doesn't feel like that. I, it's hard for me to imagine Michigan manufacturing enough big plays and drives. I know they got it against Ohio state, but it's hard to me imagine this 2022 Michigan team being able to hang where maybe because of the talent on the edge and the quarterback at Ohio state, you can talk yourself to, into this thing being pretty fun on new year's Eve. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's certainly the idea there. Um, I mean, I, I, I jokingly called Michigan cruiserweight Georgia a lot at the end of last season. And, right. and it kind of does feel that like like that vibe and maybe the the playoff race this year comes down to whether that's still true or not or whether Michigan was able to make up the gap or however this thing ends up playing out but yeah I mean this is uh, it really does come down to Ohio State having one well two two real weaknesses one obviously the big plays they were kind of a thing all year and obviously they were the only thing against Michigan in the end um, but that's that's what you hired Jim Knowles for, for yeah. extreme efficiency and disruption and occasionally getting burned deep a little bit too much. Um, that, that's kind of his M.O. And, and then red zone defense is the other issue. For whatever reason, even though the run defense as a whole has improved quite a bit, the, the Ohio State defense is just terrible in the red zone. And so – the latter, Georgia can absolutely exploit, but the former, they, they, they are not a really a big play thing. The closest Georgia came to losing this year was against Missouri of all teams. And part of the thing that Missouri did so well was, I mean, it was, there was a lot of cover zero. There was just a lot of, we don't think your receivers can beat our, our cornerbacks deep. And, um, I mean, Missouri's got pretty good corners, but mm-hmm. it worked a little better than I think Georgia expected it to. And, and just because Ohio State just got torched by Michigan doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Yeah. Bill, great stuff. Appreciate your content always and giving us a little bit of your time today. Absolutely. All right. That's Bill Connolly, ESPN and his SP plus rankings. This is a fun read. Uh, we, we worked all week to get him on. It's good to have him on. It's a good read and, and nice walk down memory lane. We hit thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. Your home of the Buckeyes, Jackets, NFL, Major League Baseball, and pretty much everything you can shake a stick at. What? It's a saying. The fan. 
First Friday miracles are always better with Uncle Bo. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing on a Friday. Hit a chopper. Thing or not a thing. All right, Bo. So I just saw this one uh, from Sporting News passing along. Adam Schefter originally reporting it. Zach Wilson will start for the Jets this week as doctors won't clear Mike White for contact. Making me rethink my pick, but I think you're not a thing. (laughs) Huge thing. Glad I picked Detroit. I was leaning that way anyway. This makes me feel even stronger about it. Um, This is going to be a mess. A mess. You've got a couple of weeks of everybody on that team, including Garrett Wilson, very loudly and vocally saying, this is better. You had an entire team wear Mike White (laughs) t-shirts to a game, and now this kid's coming back. Like... Think how fragile he is anyway from being benched, hearing people complain, people wearing the shirts, and now two days out, he's going to be inserted at home against a Detroit team that's playing with a little bit of juice. And, and wow. very possibly his last start ever for the Jets. Could very well be. It's it's well a, be. such a situation for them. I'm still I'm going to roll with, with the green. It's hard to imagine. Because a fan, but it's tough. I'm not going to flip Chops, my pick. Can you imagine a scenario where mentally he can do this? No, it seems like uh, that's going to be impossible for him to overcome. Um, I mean, yeah. they did win. They went five and two with him as a starter. It was yeah. in spite of him, really. He was not. He did not play well. He's still really good. His stats don't compare. Well, like when you put in the other two, like Flacco was just one and two. So I, I think we we overvalue him for what we saw him do, do at the Browns game. But he's still like. He was a guy who was like approaching 300 yards a game, yeah. kind of two touchdown range. And Zach Wilson's like 180 yards a game, and like no touchdown. Like it, it he's and that's when he wasn't mentally cracked. Yeah, and Garrett Wilson does not get the ball. No. Maybe their best offensive player, especially with you know they were riding Brees Hall a lot. And now he's hurt, so Garrett Wilson is like probably their most productive offensive player. And yeah. Zach Wilson doesn't get him the ball. You could see him overcompensated and trying to. I mean, it's a mess. This tweet from uh, Fran Fraschilla yesterday. I'm hearing that some talented college teams are starting to crack because of NIL payments not being made on time. Yep. NIL promises not kept or jealousy among teammates. Not a value judgment on NIL. It's just human nature. The new normal, Fran Fraschilla says. Thing or not a thing? Huge thing. It's almost like nobody thought this through. <laughs> like there's no contracts. So this is the other side of the no contracts. We talked about the Texas A&M kids and what they got to sign at A&M, and they're bouncing, and that leaving guys in the lurch. I mean, that happened here with yours, where he was here for three months, profited immensely, and then mm-hmm. went to Texas. You go, wait, where's my ROI on this? What exactly did I get out of this as the person who's giving him the money? Well, the same thing here. This is the opposite. This is big donor whatever saying, hey, come to big state you and play, Jesus Shuttlesworth. And then once Jesus Shuttlesworth is there saying, actually, you're not as good as I thought, so I think I'm going to hold some back. I think there also might be another factor. Maybe they don't have the money. Collectives, you know, expecting, oh, we're going to get what do you people do? are going to roll in, and then they, oh, we don't have it. So then what do you, because they're nonprofits. Can you sue nonprofits? No clue. There's no, there's no guidelines on any of this. You think about, I mean, I think there's this kid, Chris Livingston, who's an Ohio kid, who's one of the best basketball players in the country. He's uh-huh. at Kentucky this year. He's a true freshman. Um, I'm sure he was induced by NIL to go there. It's above board. It should be. I get it. He's not playing. He's playing, but he's not like a dude at Kentucky. Like, if you're the guy who paid right. him to get there, you're like, hey, I, I really would like to see him be the dude. 
We still got to run all this through Shibway? Like, that's the reality of where we're at. Well, Shibway can only get paid when they're when they're out of the country, right? And only right now. Like they got to get him another. He's not going to make anything in the pro. He's not an NBA player, so uh-huh. yeah, this is it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so just what a mess. Again, just not thought out the whole thing. Bookies dot com with uh, these odds for the next head coach fired in the NFL this week. Broncos Nathaniel Hackett leads the way at plus two fifty. Browns Kevin Stefanski is plus two seventy five. Uh, Kingsbury plus 400, Buccaneers Todd Bowles plus 500, and Brandon Staley with the Chargers at plus 950. Thing or not a thing? Uh, well, I mean, it's a big thing because you don't, you're don't you not second on this list unless there's somebody somewhere saying you should be second on the list. Um, I would flip Stefanski and Staley. I think it's, it's very difficult to imagine Stefanski being fired when much of the reason that Deshaun Watson is there is based on the proposal that Stefanski put in showing Baker Mayfield's inabilities to make plays in his offense that were there and Watson wanting to play with those abilities. So unless this thing goes off the rails the last four weeks and Watson goes into ownership and says, I can't play in this system, unless that happens, there's no way they're firing Stefanski. He's going to get a look with his full operation. To me, Staley would be number two. I, I think because, Staley's gone if they miss the playoffs. I think it's that simple. Well, but even if, I mean, if you're ownership and you got that roster and Sean Payton wants to coach in Los Angeles, don't you have, regardless of what they do, bar, say, save from like winning the Super Bowl going to the AFC Championship game, don't you have to kick the tires? Well, it's it, in this list, it's next to be fired, so he wouldn't be the next oh, fired if I he made you. the playoffs. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I got you. The semantics of it, I got it. But, I mean, when you're making a bet, you got to pay attention to that. I yeah, got two, yeah. two more for you. ESPN and Cinemark have announced plans to put the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the College Football National Championship game in movie theaters to close out the 2020 season thing or not a thing sure i mean it doesn't interest me but i i could see how that would be a fun way to spend a new year's eve night i mean people that's kind of a traditional thing for some people they go see a movie on new year's eve so i think that there's a play there yeah i, I brought this up to jayla yesterday and because we're like oh, how are we gonna watch the game what are we gonna do and this was a, and she's like but what if people are standing up in front of you and i was like well how is that different than like watching out Anywhere, like at a bar or something. I don't know. But can they serve beer in movie theaters? Yes, they can. So that's can there's they, yeah, there's, there's beer specials. Bad. There's packages you can. I was looking into it a little yeah. bit. So I mean, it's something to to keep yeah. in mind. Not bad. <laughs> How about this? A uh, tweet accompanied by a trailer from TLC, the television network. Welcome to Milf Manor. Eight hot moms leave home for the chance to find love with men half their age, but oh they're greeted God. with a shocking twist. The new series premieres January 15th at 10, 9 central on TLC. Thing or not a thing? Okay, so the only thing that's a thing to me out of this is is the shocking twist that the the 20-somethings are all of their sons. I think that's what it is, yeah. That, it, it can't be anything else, right? It, yeah. I watched the trailer, and that's what it kind of appears to be. So I guess you date all the other moms and, and leave your mom to do whatever, which is awkward from both sides. Yeah. It's got to be that. That would be the only shocking twist, as if it was like, you're going there to, what are they calling this island? <laughs> Milf, Milf Manor. Manor. Or whatever, you're going to Milf Manor, and then... You walk in there and go. So I'm assuming all these all these women clearly are divorced, and they go in and they're going to go have a good time with some young dudes. And all of a sudden, you look down and there's little Timmy. <laughs> it's funny that you oh, mentioned. Oh God! What are they calling this island? Because it just reminds me of. And other people pointed this out of an of an old joke on Thirty Rock. They used to do like parody TV shows that would also be yeah. on NBC on the show Thirty Rock, and one of them was Milf Island. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. And so that's like, what it it's is. Basically, the exact same idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. All right, we will uh, final hour here on a Friday. Doug, at the bottom of the hour, get you set for a big one. Joe and Tom down in Tampa Bay will know the scores on the early bowl games as well. It's all coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If the fan were a baseball team, Morning Juice would be our leadoff hitter. A leadoff hitter who's slow and hits lots of homers. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan. Pull up a stool and ask the bartender for something neat. Because Uncle Bo is on the radio. This is Bishop and Friends. Uh, So you see the Buckeyes in the gray sleeves, uh, the big gray sleeves for the national semifinal against Georgia that dropped yesterday. The Browns wearing white face masks for their game tomorrow against the Ravens, um, which is, I think, a better look than the brown face mask. But they're also in the Cardiac Kid brown over orange. To me, I know some people love it. I just think it's so much color for them. I, you know, I think the all-white that Bernie wore, Otto Graham wore, I like the brown over the white. I think the brown and orange pants is just a lot to take in. You don't like it? I think it's okay. I think it yeah. works. It's all right. I just think that their other options are a little better. The brown so, over yeah. white or the all-white is, are both better. But they love them. They I like love the that brown pants. over orange. I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I grew up with the with the gold pant for the for the Hawkeyes, and they wear the gold pant the entire way. So I like the I like the two colors instead of just the white pant. Yeah, I, mean, I think that that's fine. I just think when the two colors are brown and orange, less is more on that front. <laughs> it's a, it's uh, Matt, a bit much to look at, yeah. Matt wants, uh, he's requesting weekly reveals, reviews of MILF Manor. <laughs> he says he'll give us 10 bucks to sponsor the segment. When does the show air? Uh, well, I had it written down here. Let me pull up my thing or not a thing sheet. It's on TLC, right? That's where It premieres January 15th at 10 o'clock. Ten nine Central for those of you in the Central Time Zone listening to us. And what is January fifteenth? That is a Sunday. So hey, Yellowstone will end. We'll start watching Milf Manor. If if uh, there is potential, a great deal of comedy potentially here in taking this in. If we do it, like if I <laughs> if if I'm into this and I can convince the wife to watch it with me. I and I was being like, no, Mackenzie was wrong. And <laughs> yeah. Well, it won't be Mackenzie. It'll be like Linda was wrong. <laughs> you know, it's Bertha. not the daughters. Yeah. They're going to, you know, they're going to be older, uh, older uh, operation. I'm here. telling you, Gertrude is, is the one. <laughs> she's at Ida. Man, that Ida. She's throwing a fastball. Um, all right. Let's know the scores. Bowls edition. Hit it. Chopper. Scores on Bishop and Friends. Sponsored by Roosters, a fun casual joint, and the official wing sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Almost made it through the whole week without a, a slight hiccup, but uh, nobody made a second and a half. You say, <laughs> pal, nothing to see here. Bowl edition for Know the Scores. We're not going to talk about our previous. We're gonna, we don't need to talk about records from a couple weeks ago. Not not important. I think you were off, and we lamented it a, a great deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Fenway Bowl, Cincinnati versus Louisville. Neither team has a head coach. Uh, the Cardinals, <laughs> minus two. Same sideline there in Fenway Park. Yeah, so, so same sideline, which is crazy. Um, among the other things that's pretty crazy about this is Louisville's head coach, who nobody at Louisville really wanted, was hired as the Cincinnati new head coach, and Louisville gets the coach that they always wanted back. So mm-hmm. that's the backstory on all of this. Uh, my hunch is that the Louisville operation will. And my whole thesis here is going to be who gives a damn more. I'm thinking Louisville cares a little bit more, 
So to, to show that their their former coach, what they were all about, I'll take Louisville to cover. Uh, give me Louisville 34-30. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking, too, is that it feels like Louisville is going to care more, whereas Cincinnati probably feels maybe even a little bit more deflated like oh they were you know they had their best years that they've ever had as a program with luke fickle he's now gone what's this gonna go so i've got louisville winning uh 26 to 21 if there was a prop bet for will there be a fight i would bet on the yes for that I, same, same sideline side it feels like it's a lock it looks ridiculous in there you saw this the yes. field in there it's ridiculous well it's did you know baseball stadiums aren't made to fit football fields <laughs> no not anymore they're not no Las Vegas Bowl, Florida versus number 14, Oregon State. Beavers minus nine and a half. Chops, you go first on this. I want, I want to look up something up real quickly on Florida. Okay, so Anthony Richardson was in that mock draft we were going yesterday, so I assume he's not playing. I don't know exactly what happened uh, at, at the end of the year with Florida's starting quarterback situation, but I believe he was the starter. Um, that's the hard part. It's like I can't look up all the players that aren't right. playing in so these games. this is what I wanted to do. So... It's our guy. Jack Miller's going to start. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, so Jack Miller, who is here, he will start in the game. Richardson is not going to play. But remember, there was also, I really want to get this right. Um, um, I want to say, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Jalen Kitna, was John Kitna's recently son, kicked off the was team. arrested on child pornography charges. Yeah. So he was the backup. So they had Richardson. He goes pro. Then Kitna. Kitna busted for child porn. And then, and so Miller starts. I I do. I will say this. I think Napier's, they're not losing by nine and a half. That's it. That's the, it's just too much. I think Oregon State's playing well. Jonathan Smith's got them going. Um, but I think Florida still has enough talent. I think Napier knew enough in the program that you still have a little bit of give a damn. I could see Oregon State losing a fun one, 42-38, or winning a fun one, 42-38. Give me Florida to cover. We're in the same boat on that one. I got Oregon State winning 35-28. They're a frisky team. They're a good team. But you got to think, too, they're like the quarterback situation is a mess for Florida, but there's still talent. It's Florida, you know? Like, so I think that's yeah. going to come out a little bit as the game goes on, and they're not going to lose by 10 I'm going to be into that one because Miller's playing. Yeah. Like, they liked him around here, and remember his dad runs that resort out in Scottsdale that hooked up threes. The New Mexico Bowl, that one's out in New Mexico, SMU minus four versus BYU. I mean, I just can't quit SMU. I love everything about it. They, I love the uniforms. I love the CD history. I wish that they were in a power conference. I don't know why people leave them out. I'm going straight with the heart here. SMU 31, BYU 21. BYU can actually uh, score a little bit of points. Um, so I went a little high scoring here, but there's a, there's a caveat to it. I've got BYU winning 36-34, double overtime. They get the two-point conversion, oh boy. and they win. I don't know. Why not, right? Why not? Yeah, It's we're the New Mexico Bowl. Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl has Baylor minus five and a half versus Air Force. Baylor, 41-28. Yeah, I got Baylor 21 to 13 in that one. Uh, It'll be low scoring because Air Force will, you know, they'll they'll run the clock and and all that stuff. It's always weird. Air Force run the triple option. You should... It, it works out only if they can get first downs. If not, you get slumped running it that way. So that'll be interesting to see. And then you can't come back. Then there's nothing to right. do. And you try to pass and it doesn't work. Too late. Yeah. Guaranteed Rate Bowl sees the Wisconsin Badgers minus three favorites versus Oklahoma State. 
who in the blue hell is quarterbacking Wisconsin? Not Graham Mertz. Not Mertz. Who's coaching in Wisconsin? I think Leonard's coaching him. Is he still? Is he? Is he just? Jim Leonard's is he sticking him. around? Okay. Yeah, I'll go with stability. Uh, I got Oklahoma State winning 31-28. They don't need to. All they got to do is be closer than three. I like Oak State. Different but same. I got Wisconsin winning 23-21, to but that does not uh, cover that minus three for him. Liberty Bowl. Kansas, who was the darling at the beginning of the year and then I think ended up just straight up 6-6, six and six, 500 on the season, right around there. Yeah. Um, they're taking on Arkansas Razorbacks minus three. This one's in Memphis, right? So... Uh, that's right next door to Arkansas. That's big give-a-damn level for their boosters. I think they'll be fired up to play in it. There's no way I'm picking against old Cole Beer on a, on a, on a bowl pick em. Give me Arkansas to win by seven in this one. Could be big, honestly. Yeah, random December bowl game. Arkansas and Arkansas fans probably going to have some old Cole Beers out there. I've got the uh, Razorbacks winning 34-30. to 30. San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. This wow, we be really, a baller bowl, man. We really need BYU these. won a national championship by winning the Holiday Bowl, really? I'm pretty sure, against Michigan in the 80s. Like, that was, yeah. What happened to the Poinsettia Bowl? That used to be a San Diego thing, right? No clue. <laughs> Maybe it was sponsored by this same credit yeah. union. Either way, number 15, Oregon, minus 14 versus UNC. Is Drake May not playing? I don't know. He doesn't have his offensive coordinator, but I believe he's... I don't think... I didn't hear that he wasn't playing. I didn't playing. look it up. I wasn't going to... Me either. Who cares? <laughs> I got Carolina at least close. I can see Oregon winning, but they're not going to annihilate Carolina, are they? Uh, that's a fun bowl. You know, go out to San Diego. That's a big... Think about the upgrade there versus, like, Memphis. Uh, I, I like Carolina. Close. Oregon winning. Shootout 41-34. We are... Yeah, we're going very similar on these because we're you know i think we're just using our college football knowledge at large and not really our yes, knowledge of the general. individual teams so yes i like oregon to win but 14 seems too big of a number ducks 38 tar heels 27 holiday Ta- bowl bureau chief tim may telling me it was 1984 when byu beat michigan and won the national title out in the holiday bowl and there you have it yeah. tax act texas bowl texas tech versus Ole miss rebels minus three and a half i thought Lane Kiffin's uh, response to Mike Leach passing was awesome and was really cool what he did. And uh, I've liked the way he's carried himself. Um, I like the fact that he's still at Ole Miss, going straight with just who I'm rooting for in this one. Gorgeous uniforms. Give me the Rebels winning by seven. I like Ole Miss as well. I got him winning 24 to 20. I also think that there is definitely, I mean, Lane Kiffin was, I think, trying to play it a little bit himself, but also I think it was a real distraction at the end of the year that he was probably, it was probably on his mind. What should I do? Should I take a job if it's offered to me? I'm sure there were people who were reaching out for oh, his, yeah. his job, namely Auburn, um, but he decided to stay with Ole Miss. Now that's all settled. And I think they get back on track. They kind of fell off the rails there at the end of the season. Ole Miss did, and I think they're a little bit better than what their record ended up being. Cheez-It Bowl, Oklahoma versus number 13, FSU. The Seminoles minus 7.5. I would not have guessed they had worked their way all the way up to 13th by this point in the season. I knew yeah. they, were, they played well down the stretch, but, man, number 13 for them. Yeah, I think um, what I think is really interesting about this is, like, Brent Venables and what he's trying to create there. Um, they are going into a really tricky place. He win. He be, wins Bedlam, twenty-eight to thirteen. They lose to Texas Tech in their finale. Florida State's rolling a little bit. I could see Florida State winning the game, but I could just as easily see Oklahoma. And so for that, I'll take 
I'll take all the points that I can. Uh, I like FSU in a close one, 31-28. I added, a, I added a touchdown to it for FSU, so I got the Florida State winning 38-28. to uh, I just don't think Oklahoma's defense is, 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 is up to par on this one, and I think FSU just scores just enough points to cover that 7.5, but it is that half probably going to come back to bite me. Valero, Alamo Bowl, number 20, Texas, minus 4.5 versus number 12, Washington. There's no way B. John Robinson's playing in this thing, is he? I wouldn't think so. I can't imagine he would play in it. So this is this is Quinn Ewers with Arch Manning breathing down his neck versus uh, a guy who was on my Heisman ballot, Michael Penix Jr. Um, no one's seen Washington play. It's just a reality. They played like eight games at 10 o'clock or later. Um, Penix is coming back for next year. I think they'll play inspired ball. Give me Washington to win a gutless Texas team. They'll win them. They'll win it outright. So I'll definitely take the four and a half. That's where I was at too. I think Penix versus yours. I mean, yours is really talented, but Penix showed all season long that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country right yep. now. And I think that continues in this one. I got Washington winning 36, 31. You just don't know if Texas, it is still wild to me that Arch Manning chose Texas with the lack of culture that is around that program. Yeah, and lack of stability, too. I mean, they they changed their coach every three right. or four years. They, they just made a quarterback decision seemingly on booster wants. Right. Weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing to sign up for. Um, all right, coming up next, a quarterback matchup that you may never see the likes of it again. Brady Burrow. You'll hear from Joe on what it all means coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The sound of Paul Keels calling a Buckeye game is erotic. Oh, yes. Your home of the Buckeyes, the fan, Ohio sports destination. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. Man, I got to tell you, if I was in charge of picking a bowl, I mean, it would be almost entirely on location. You see, you have the Bahamas Bowl starting today. Yeah, between right? Miami of Ohio and UAB, starting right in ten minutes. That feels like a win. That's what I would want. And then also, you clear it out. You're done by two 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 thirty this afternoon. You're still in the Bahamas. Perfect. I just want, like, I assume they're like all at Atlantis or Bahamar. They're got to be at some place like nice, right? Like, can they're not you just ma- putting them up like because there aren't not everything's baller down there. There are some that aren't. We were just there last spring. Well, like Boston's a nice city, but I don't want to go there in December. If I'm UC in Louisville, I'd go no. to Bahamas Bowl. It's going to come down to the swag. So probably the reason that the Bahamas Bowl hasn't taken off is because the people down in the Bahamas aren't greasing the the wheels for the administrators to make it worth a yeah. while down there. That's probably it. And in the I mean, meantime, in Boston, like, what do you do in Boston in December? Look at Christmas tree lights, museums, right? You don't even like Paul Revere walk. Yeah, like, but like, is doing? that even worth it in in December? Like, an no, outdoor, you're like, freezing, yeah. man. And Boston's a good city. I didn't realize either that. Um, so Jackson State, which is a one double A team, HBCU, obviously, um, they chose not to play in the one double A playoffs, which are ongoing Mm -hmm. they're into the final four now i think it's i know montana state plays south dakota state uh north dakota state plays though there's and one more they're they're all they're still in it could be sac state so then Um, are they in the celebration bowl they're in the cricket celebration bowl which is in atlanta is that a bigger I think that's an that's HB, probably more it's fun. two HBCU teams it that is, play each other. Carolina Central, and too. then the bands are there, and it's yeah, you yeah. get the whole experience. Uh, that's Saturday. 
Vegas would be a fun one. Florida's there. The Kimmel Bowl, I feel like there'd be some nice return on that. I feel like he'd take care of you, right? That's out in L.A. Yeah, I'm sure he does the whole thing with it. It's probably get promoted on his show. And so, yeah, there's probably something to that. Why else Gosh, would he New do Mexi- it? New Mexico Bowl's in Albuquerque? I just think of Breaking Bad. The ABQ. That's what I think of. The ABQ. <laughs> when when right. Skyler calls <laughs> Jesse and gets that message, first, that answering machine. The first time, yeah, I do. Do you remember the first time I saw that and it, it was like, boy, this Skyler really sucks. And then I rewatched it with my wife, and I'm like, my God, was she justified? <laughs> right. Like, she- holy cow. Like, the, when you watching that show in real time versus watching that show in, uh, in a, what, what is it? The a binge. The binge was a totally different experience. In binge, I, I just kept asking myself, how did all of this happen in what amounts to like two calendar years? Right. There- to go from like science teacher to drug lord of New Mexico in a year and a half feels like it a lot happened because it follows his birthdays the whole time and so Correct. that's how you keep track of it uh the, that's something i've found while binging the sopranos is i'm like one i think they play a little fast and loose with the weather episode to episode like yeah. one time they're in a pool and then the next episode they're in coats and it's like well what, 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 what's going it on it wasn't here? built with the intent of i don't think of it to be viewed this way but the other These yeah. shows weren't you know they were they weren't viewed that you're going to watch one episode after another I I think um like talking about Skylar though and I'm thinking about uh Carmela Soprano and like she has a little bit more like she knew a little bit more what was happening what she yes. was getting into and she, she still in ends the up, she kind of still ends up being a victim of it all but like Skylar like completely unfair to her <laughs> all, of sudden her all of a sudden her husband's just a drug kingpin and she has to go along with it or else everybody's going to jail and their uh, brother-in-law is a DEA agent yeah no no fair for Skylar I'm the one who knocks. I mean, that's the episode, right? Where you go, oh, well, this my life's very different than what I anticipated it being. <laughs> right. uh, all of a sudden, I remember in, re- in the rewind, I was like, yeah, she probably deserved that affair. That was probably fair based on everything that was going on there. Uh, Walter White, Tony Soprano, as good as it gets from a character standpoint, as good as it gets from a quarterback standpoint down in Tampa Bay this week. Bengals at Bucks. One thing that I've noticed about Joe, and we saw this in the uh, Manning cast, He's not a big, I'm going to give you a soundbite based on something that isn't football guy. It's real short. It's really to the point. He's not interested in in coloring coloring in the story for you. Like, he'll give you the line. He'll answer the question, but he's not really big into it. And you're going to hear some examples of this. So here, uh, he was asked what he remembers. And, of course, the comparisons are going to be there. They're so much similar to Brady and Burrow in terms of the way that they go about their business, the type of players they are, the way they stand in the pocket. I mean, it's... A million things that that draw those conclusions, and I cannot think of better praise to be compared to the greatest of all time. Uh, Burrow was. He was asked what he remembers of Brady growing up. Here's what he had to say. My entire life, I don't remember. I mean, he was was drafted when I was four. So my entire, all my my memories of NFL football have him in it. Here's what he has to say about Brady, the player. He gets the ball out really fast. You know, he understands what he's looking at. You know, I think he epitomizes toughness at the quarterback position. You know, he's a great leader. He's the greatest of all time for a reason. He's the total package. Here is another one about uh, asking if it's different going up against Brady. Here's Burrow's answer. Our 14th game of the season. You know, it's uh, obviously, you know, the greatest quarterback ever is on the other side. But, you know, we got a job to do, too. And our job is to go and win, get to 10-4, and four and, and move on. You, I suppose you do wish he'd give you a little more. 
<laughs> you know, like just a little. Yeah. More. At least I understand like, why he's not. I get it. There, you, you cannot say anything critical about the kid. Um, but it would be, I mean, it's such a, I can't imagine like if he was truly honest about wrapping his head around this. The way I would probably phrase the question to him is you grew up watching this guy. If you go back 10 years and I were to tell you, you're going to be quarterbacking against Tom Brady. What would 15-year-old Joe Burrow have thought of that? And that That's it, probably how you would have gotten maybe the best answer. And in that moment, I mean, maybe they don't th- include this in the question, but the crazy thing is to think about it. In that moment, you're kind of considered the better quarterback right now. Yeah. Like playing in the game, and that's got to be another whirlwind. Like not only are you playing against Tom Brady, but you're the better signal caller on <laughs> you know lining up under center on Sunday. I, I wonder this with Brady, like – there's so much, you know, and he clearly is like the, the consummate professional in the NFL and like knows what he's doing and can get a team going. And I wonder like as like losses start to, to stack up, does that stuff stop working on the teammates? Like I feel like you're really bought into Brady when it works and you're like, you know what? He is right. I am, I am slacking off. I need to yeah. get on going. And then as the season goes on and you're losing, does that fail? For the Buccaneers, because it kind of looks like it is. I mean, look at that effort they gave last week against San Francisco. It's been a couple of those in a row, honestly. It's been a stretch of them. They can still win that division. It's so putrid. They could still win the division. The, from a strictly football standpoint, this might be the most winnable game the Bengals have left, right? Because they still have to play Balt. They play Buffalo and Baltimore to close it. They've got the Bucks this week. Who do they have next week? I, I know that it's an, it's another good one, isn't it? I know, so they, I know they finished Bills, Ravens. This is a must, must win because they're trying to keep pace with the Ravens. The Ravens are at Cleveland tomorrow in a late afternoon. At New England next week on Christmas Eve. Yeah, this is it. This is the most winnable of the three left. New England would be right there with it. But I mean that, you know, it's Belichick and it's cold. It's going to be all those things. I mean, this is the most pristine conditions for you to win. Buffalo is going to be a full day. That could be for first place in the AFC. And then at home for Baltimore at the end could be for the AFC North. So they, yeah. all of the fun stuff aside, Cincinnati needs to win on Sunday. I'm glad that this is in the late window. This is going to be a fun one for everybody to watch. We'll uh, get smarter with our good buddy Doug Lamarie's coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The only radio show Ryan Day listens to when we're holding him hostage, making him listen to a radio show. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, let's get smarter on the Brian Heating Bloom Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, or good buddy Doug Maurice. I, I think we start here, and it, I, I said this with Tim as well. This is part of a probably a longer conversation that I hope to do with you guys both over the course of an hour. Um, and honestly, that might not be enough. But in the last 10 days, uh, we had the athletic director at Ohio State saying, hey, if, if you want to donate to the collective, we can help you. And we really, we actually really need that help. We had Ryan Day at a press conference on Tuesday saying, uh, we trust our fans and, and they're essentially insinuating, I know how uncomfortable it had to make him, that our fans are going to pick it up and we need some help with the collective. We had a local collective here who said, hey, look what we did with the collective, which is not the look I think anybody wants than a tweet that was later deleted. Uh, this is kind of everything that nobody wanted to happen happened, Doug. How do you make sense of what's happened here the last 10 days? Yeah, I mean, it's it's people searching for answers in the chaos, right? It, you, How do you make sense of it is, well, none of it makes sense. And then everyone's trying to do their best. But, I mean, I just, and maybe it was 
naive on some level, but I can remember like when the NIL stuff first was coming around and you were talking about it and talking to people about it, they're saying, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, J.K. Dobbins could have a commercial, you know, with the local tire center and, mm-hmm. and maybe players can do cameos and get paid 50 bucks to tell your kid happy birthday for 30 seconds. And now we're here. Yeah. Now we're like, now we're like, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars does it take to get a high school recruit? And that, again, that, like, you can see the shift with Ohio State. Of Even in the summer, it's like, well, it's really about trying to keep our players on the roster happy, making sure they have opportunities, make sure they're not getting poached. And now here we are. I mean, the reason this is coming up, and we all know this, Bo, you've talked about it in the last 10 days, is because signing day is next Wednesday. Yeah. And so why are they talking about it? Because it matters for high school recruits. And they realize that now, or I think they've always realized it, but they also know now it's like, there's no, we're in the final stretch with these guys. Like, this is the deal. This is how it's working. Is this actually how it's supposed to work? No. Is anybody at the NCAA offering oversight? No. So the reality is you get in bidding wars for high school players and that's good for the high school players, but there's no oversight. There's no structure. And it's not, I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a way for the system to work long-term, but it's the mess right now. And having spent time in the South, I think the other part of this and why this is coming home to roost for Ohio State now is the South was ready to mobilize on this. Um, they've, they've been mobilized on this forever. Um, this was a sense of – I used this example earlier in the week with Sherwood Blunt, the, uh, the booster at SMU um, – this was their way of going to the club and bragging, right? I mean, they're, they're Buddy Garrity's. They're happy from blue chips, uh, right? Like, hey, I got that guy. I own you, coach. I own that player. I got him here. Like, it's, it was their way to, this has been there forever there. Up here, it feels like the programs wanted to kind of say, this exists. We don't like getting into it. Sometimes we do, but it's much more under the table. Down there, it's been closer to on, above the board forever. And now it's just, even more so. So you're trying to catch up. And I just don't think that Ohio State was ready to be mobilized on it, Doug. And and I do think, I think clearly that's part of it. But we are looking through all of this in an Ohio State lens because that's the people, the people listening, that's what they care about. So what is Ohio State? Ohio State is one of the three or four true blue bloods in the sport who is good right now, has always been good, has everything you want, has tradition, has a huge fan base, huge alumni base, gigantic stadium, a bunch of ways to make money. They are established. What is this right now? It's a disruptive force. Mm-hmm. NIL is disrupting the status quo. Now, on some level, as you said, it's kind of bringing what was under the table above the table. So it's a little bit of what's always been happening. But a lot of what is, is happening now is, is Ohio State, yeah, they're worried about what Bama and Georgia are doing. But also, it's programs who have not been on the top level who are trying to get there quickly. And what's the best way to get there? Mm -hmm. Pay players. So maybe if you are not one of the five schools at the top, a lot of people like disruption. It evens the playing field. But for Ohio State fans, they don't want anything even. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? We want to stay on top. And it's like, okay, well, maybe... Texas A&M or Tennessee or Florida or schools like that, they haven't been as good lately. Maybe they haven't produced as many NFL players lately. They don't have as many championships lately, but they can do this, and that helps them maybe beat Ohio State for players. So from an Ohio State lens, you say, oh, Ohio State fans would say, well, that's not good. 
But from the outside, like everybody else who's not one of the three or five best programs might be like, great. You're spreading out the talent. Ohio State's going from a top three recruiting class maybe to a top six. Now, they might be top three anyway. But right? Like on some level, it's like, well, what's the problem? Oh, the problem is maybe Ohio State won't be quite as good as it's always been. And then anybody else would say, okay, again, what's the problem with that? That's good for the sport. Well, that part is I, my my issue with it is is always been just I mean how much more burden can a fan be put on like the idea that you're going to be in a oh. Netflix subscription account to help pay for players is just an absurd thing the fans give enough the the, the whole operation is broken and we keep coming back to this and you know I guess I just wonder who's going to have the guts to stop it. And I think the only one right now within the sport that has the power is probably Sankey because the, everything that you just lined out with, whether it's A&M or Florida or whoever, the, the biggest difference between that conference and this one is that everybody in that league, with the exception to maybe Vandy, feels they are a quarterback or a coaching hire away from being Bama. You can say it's delusional, but that's the belief system down there, Doug. Yeah, no, a delusion, it, people throw money away on delusion all the time. Sure. It's practically the American way. So, yes, I mean, I do think, and this has been the number one thing to me, Bo, again, in, in talking to our Buckeye Talk listeners and the, the Ohio State fans that we all communicate with, the burden, the angst, the frustration, the confusion for them is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because in a world where there's a windfall TV contract coming for the Big Ten, where Ohio State has this gigantic athletic department budget, but Ohio State can't pay the players directly. And then it's like, all right, fans, here, you got to do it. And it's like buying Netflix. But if you paid for Netflix and then when you turn Netflix on and were like, I want to watch this movie, it was like, well, your subscription might get you the movie that you want. But it also we might use the money for this other movie that isn't really the movie you want to watch. And if somebody else paid more for that movie, then you can't watch that movie. So yeah. you're, you're giving this money to a collective and you're like, what? Like, what exactly am I getting? I think I'm contributing to getting a top 100 national recruit. Maybe. Hopefully. Right. Kind of. I'm not sure. Like, that idea is bonkers. And the bad part about it, because guess, guess who matters? The fans. Yeah. You're taking people who love Fall Saturdays and you're doing this and it's making them love their sport a little less yeah and what are you doing what are you doing these people love this thing with all of their heart and soul and you're like give us money for a thing that maybe we might help the team but we're not sure and we really can't give you any details about it that is it's the sport shooting itself in the foot with incompetence with the lack of leadership with dragging its feet on everything and it's come home to roost Good for the players for getting money. Yeah, That's for sure. That's a good step. That's better than it used to be. But every other part of it is whack, man. It's ridiculous. What you just outlined, too, is at the heart of that, the word is trust. With Netflix, you yeah. know what you're going to get. Not only do you not necessarily, and I don't blame the fan out there for saying, look, I, what is my $30 a month to this collective going to do? Or, there's no guarantee that it's going to be enough for starters. And second of all, do you even trust these collectives? That all of the money, I mean, who knows, who's, where's the oversight on any of this? I mean, I, I don't blame them for being skeptical of those, Doug. I mean, this whole, this is nuts across the board. It's so far gone 
again, you need an hour. And but, I mean, Gene, the trust is Gene lost. That's what Gene was doing. Gene was trying to give a stamp of approval. Yes, he, he was. was trying. I don't think – he wasn't saying give money to the collectives, but he was saying if you want to give money to the collectives, I'm saying you can feel okay about that because that idea of, like, can I trust him or not, I think that's what Gene was trying to do. But also, and I'm trying to ask people about this, I don't think Ohio State is saying give money to them instead of us because Ohio State still wants you to give money to them, too. I got a letter last week, Doug. I got a letter last week for money. My point is people have 100 bucks. I I give 100 bucks to the Ohio State Athletic Department a year. I'm not going to start giving 200. I'm not giving 100 to you and 100 to a collective. I have 100. Who should I give it to? My main focus is the football team being as successful as possible. Who should I give it to? And that is the question that I'm asking on behalf of fans, and I'm not really getting a straight answer because the answer is everybody wants everything. The answer yeah. is, actually, why can't you give us each 250 And it's like, I have I'm a, I have a job, I have a family, I have other mm-hmm. priorities. And by the way, when you start giving the, you know, this 501c3 designation for collectives, if you start trying to think of it as a charity, and I've had people say this to me, it's like, well, should I give money to maybe it'll help get a football player or cancer research. Right. Because it's not really a charity, right? No. But they're trying to characterize themselves as such. Like, if you start going down these roads, it, it, it's going to – I don't think NIL is killing college sports because no. the players deserve the money. But the structure and the ineptitude of NIL, that is damaging college sports right now. I think it's on the brink. That part of it, uh, a part of a longer conversation. I want to get that done with uh, uh, Tim and, and you. We'll get that done her, hopefully here in the next uh, week or so. Great talking to you, my friend. As always, have a good weekend. Thanks, man. Be good. All right. That's the great Doug LaMarie's Cleveland.com. Uh, one of the smartest in the business. We hit three things on a Friday up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, before we get to three things, Chops, what do we have in the poll today? All right, today's fan poll on 971thefan.com and at 971thefan on Twitter. Always sponsored by Digmaster or Ford. What are you most interested in this weekend? Four options are OSU Hoops versus North Carolina, College football, bowl games, NFL, and Blue Jackets. They are at the Bruins on Saturday. NFL leading the way at 44.2%. That's where I would have gone as well. I will definitely watch OSU Hoops versus North Carolina, which is second, 30.2%. College football, bowl games. I will throw these games on on the second screen, even this afternoon with this Bahama Bulls on, but I'm not sure how much I'm watching. And Blue Jackets are they're getting tough. They're in a yeah. It's danger zone for them a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. it, you have so many choices of things that you can you can check out, and you know, bad ball or in this case, bad hockey is going to bad gonna puck. Get, yeah, it's going to be something that's going to slip a little bit, and and honestly, in the end, that might be okay with all of the injuries. Uh, we talked about this. This might be the year to lean into all of this. Uh, all right, three things on a Friday. Hit a chopper. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, number one for me. So today was uh, supposed to be Buddy Garrity pickup day. I say supposed to be because uh, the blonde woke up ill. 
kind of violently. Uh, I said like all week we were like trying to fight it off. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten through it. Uh, NBC had it over the weekend. The other two have kind of gotten around it. Um, I've gotten through it, although there's remnants, but I'm, my protocols, I'm fighting like hell. Um, she got got this morning, so Buddy is going to have to wait a week, which is a pr- that was a pretty disappointing thing to say to the children. Uh, but I, I, I couched it with their life is walking on rainbows. They'll be okay waiting another few days. Uh, but Buddy Garrity waits a week. Yeah, that would be a tough bring it in in that situation. Probably not the not a the right chance. one. No. So first one for me. So uh, you know, there's a lot going on on Twitter right now. But uh, this is say I don't know if this is a Twitter blue function, so you pay for it or, or what happens. But this guy Jeff Nowak, uh, I realized he it was the first time I'd ever seen a tweet that was edited, and all he did was he edited. Um, uh, a tweet about Drew Brees getting a, he had originally put head coaching interim job but it's in a technically it's an assistant coaching interim job with his whole deal at Purdue during the bowl season here but it, it when it did it it said edited and I was like oh that's the first time I've seen it and I clicked I was interested and had like a little link underlined so I clicked on it and you can actually see the edit history of it so that's how I knew that his original one was head coaching and he changed it to assistant coaching and I was just like huh so it's finally there and, nobody, and because everything's going on, the one thing that people have been talking about for years is finally here, and it's just that there's too much noise to talk about it. Yeah, I, you got to be. That one's a tricky one. That edit part of it, right? Uh, right. Number number two for me. So last night for dinner, um, I made a, a Tuscan bean soup uh, for dinner. To which, um, and my policy is, is uh, I make it, you eat it. That's the operation. But I knew this would be a tough ask of the boys. So Bootsy comes upstairs. He always wants to know what's. For, as soon as he comes up, he's pe- peacocking around, wanting to know what's for dinner. Heads on a swivel. Doesn't understand the smells. He goes, "What's for dinner?" I so I said, "Tuscan bean soup." He goes, "Oh, come on." And then he goes, he goes, I cannot eat that. I turned around, I pointed at Ernie the Elf, and I said, are you sure you can't eat that, son? To which point, the shoulders dropped, the face <laughs> dropped. I made him some chicken nuggets, too. But, I mean, he did have to try it a little bit. But God bless Ernie the Elf. Did you give Ernie the Elf a bowl as well? It feels I like did. he deserved yeah, the really, one. He could really get into it, yeah. Second one for me, J-Lo and I are going to see the new Avatar tonight. I'm not, you know, like, I don't know if there's anybody who's a huge fan of the the, sh- the movie as, like, a series. But, like, yeah, the first one really spectacular to watch in theaters, so I wanted to make sure I got to theaters to see this one. It's, I mean, early reviews do say that it's going to be good. I guess I'll let you know next week. But, yeah, headed out to the theater to see Avatar, The Way of Water. He's been working on this for a decade plus, right? Basically, yeah. Is the operation. And so he's been working on it forever. They're slated to have at least five. I know there's an Avatar 5 that already has a release date. There's five of these things? That's what they're saying. But that's well, like 2028 20, for the fifth one. It felt to me like the story the first one was told. I mean, it was told before with the story of the American West, but holy hell. Like, is there that much more to that story? Uh, finally, for me, I will say I'm pretty excited to see the Buckeyes in Carolina tomorrow in the game. Uh, see, I know Carolina struggled a little bit. I love that uniform combination. I think it's probably Apex Buckeye uniform opposite, and you could probably say that for anything. Carolina against anybody looks good, but I love the way that the light blue and red bounce off each other. It's going to be a fun game tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing it and hearing it right here on the fan. Last one for me. We like Mike McDaniel on this program. So, uh, yes, we do. He's ready for bringing the Dolphins to Buffalo. <laughs> he was asked about going up there. It could be snow. It could be cold. He says, well, so the game plan is we try to change it up. And philosophically, I think it does. It, it's easier to win the games if you score more points than your opponent in cold weather games. But warm weather games as well. All games, really. So that's uh, Mike McDaniel's take on 
how to combat the cold weather game. Just score more points than your opponent. We may need to just have him, like, you know, in homage of the great Mike Leach where he'd play his bites, we might just need to pay attention to McDaniel's press conferences. Yeah. Just just every week pick one. Have a great weekend, buddy. Have a great weekend out there, folks. Rothman and Ice coming up next. We're back on Monday. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The biggest guess. Earth-shattering opinions. And Maddie making Anthony do push-ups during commercial breaks. I can't feel my legs. My bad, bro. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan.